Driving that coach. 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 All right, folks. Welcome to another edition of Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I am JD. And I'm AJ. And boy, do we have a good one for y'all this evening. It's going to be a great one. We are really excited about this particular show because it's a show that's actually near and dear to both of our hearts as uh, intense lovers of sketch comedy. If you thought we geeked out before, you ain't seen nothing yet. Oh my God. Yeah, we already, both of of us got notes. Usually I'm the one with notes. We both got notes because both of us really dig this particular subject. Well, see, normally when we're talking about stuff, because I I love everything we talk about on this show, Mm -hmm. uh, I've got enough of a wealth of knowledge because I'm just weird like that. I mean, that's just part of my geeky side. Mm -hmm. I'm good to go. And I can also count on you to bring in some stuff that, you know, I wouldn't have found otherwise, but I just, I get so excited about In Living Color. If we did, honestly, if we'd have done any of the sketch shows, mm-hmm. I'd have come in exact same way this week. That's right. That's what's up. Sketch but, comedy's it. Yeah. So, like I said, we kind of have been alluding to it, but our, our subject matter this week, In Living Color. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> actually, we did a poll on this, like, uh, after our last show, and this one, number one, with a bullet. Oh, absolutely! Head and shoulders above everything else. Uh, and sh- even Ch- even Chappelle show like, but Chappelle show was close. Yeah, I'm I mean, it was mm. it was definitely more in the running than Mad TV. And in fact, I hope you guys are enjoying some of the content. I went ahead and threw some of my favorite sketches up on the uh, the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. This might be a good time to say if you're not following, dropping that culture on Facebook, follow it. We do put content on there. It's not just a place for us to promote. Hey, new show. Yes. All right, so real quick, let's go ahead and go to our sponsors. Uh, first off, uh, Belsaverse. Uh, go to uh, Facebook. Go to the Belsaverse page. Also, go to the Belsaverse group. Join. Uh, it's a great source for the latest in uh, entertainment news from the urban perspective. Uh, I'm the beloved founder of Belsaverse. Also, check out the Belsaverse Instagram page. And also, go on to teespring.com. Get yourself some Belsaverse merch. We are actually getting some sales right now, which I'm very, very excited about. Mm-hmm. Very happy about. A couple people have been posting things with uh, uh, basically them wearing the Belsaverse merch, and I'm very, very happy about that. So, like I said, go out there and get yourself some. Enjoy yourself. You know what I'm saying? It's a great conversation starter and also helps support the show. So, again, go to uh, Teespring at Belsaverse. Uh, go to Teespring.com and go to the Belsaverse store. And also, I'm going to start a new promotion probably within the next week, so you can probably get like 20% off of apparel, um, put a new promo code in there. So, like I said, go in there and get yourself some gear, man. And also our other sponsor. If you like hookers, if you like the U.S., you're going to love U.S. Hooker. It's it's a rugby store, so get your mind out of the gutter, folks. Uh, that's a different part of the Internet. But jump in there, get some awesome gear. Uh, we are officially uh, inside the final countdown to the kickoff for Major League Rugby 2020 season. we got some new teams starting this year. Uh, if you've never watched rugby before, go on the U.S. Hooker uh, Facebook page. You can check it out. You can see it's real. Your wife, your girl, nobody's going to get upset at you because it's, it's not what you think it is. We're having a lot of fun with this awesome sport. You're going to watch <laughs> some guys beat the ever-loving hell out of each other. If you like MMA, you're going to like it. If you like football, you're going to like it. Uh, we'll tell you everything you need to know to understand the game. You'll figure it out short and sweet to the point, and you're going to have a hell of a lot of fun, and you're going to wear some T-shirts. It'll be uh, out there. Conversation starter. 
Because <laughs> yeah. that's what we're about, conversation. Yeah, yeah. actually, uh, he is right. It's not exactly what you think it is. He told me about it the first time. I was super excited. But then he actually showed it to me. I was like, this is cool, but where's, where's the actual thing you were telling me you were going to show? Uh, where's the hookers? No, no. <laughs> well, these, well, these are hookers. Oh, it's a position. Okay, I, I, it's not the Look, position. Rugby's it's, great. It's yeah, not the position I was hoping for, but yeah. You, you have hookers. You yeah. have props. Yeah. You have halfbacks. I mean, it's it's fantastic. You know, if you if you like football, you're gonna love it because uh, well, to kind of rip off a meme, mm-hmm. rugby says to football, "I am your father." <laughs> That's a rugby fan, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, we're we're geeks. Go yeah, with it. Damn right. All right, so, like, folks, uh, usually we have our segments, uh, Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy and uh, What Would Busey Say? But we're going to go ahead and forego those this particular week, just for this week, just for this week. Seven Degrees needs to stick. We'll skip on, because I actually have two this week coming in from In Living Color. Seriously? I do. Okay. It's going to be really easy. All right, uh, well, I stand corrected, so we're doing Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy. We got it. You know what? Fuck it. Let's go ahead and knock it out right now. All right, Damon Wayans. Dude, that's ridiculously easy. Dude. We're we're doing seven degrees of separation. We got to do it. Damon Wayans is in Beverly Hills Cop with Eddie Murphy. One fucking movie. All right, fine. Ace Ventura. Um, I'm sorry, Jim Carrey from Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I was reading a Ace lot. Ven- Ace Ventura from Ace Ventura. <laughs> okay, I'll go ahead and go with Jim Carrey. I'll go with Jim Carrey, not going through the Damon Wayans route. All right. Okay, so Jim Carrey was in. Let's see if I can find a really good one. I'll go this route. Okay. Uh, Jim Carrey was in Batman Forever with Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones was in Men in Black. Uh, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones was in Men in Black with Will Smith. Will Smith was in Ali with Jada Pinkett. Jada Pinkett was in The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy. Jennifer Lopez. There we go. Even, even a better one. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lopez was in the movie Money Train with Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is in Dolomite Is My Name with Eddie Murphy. That's three right there. All right, that works. I killed him. See, this is why I didn't want to lose it, man. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, and even though I fucked it up saying Ace Ventura when I met Jim Carrey, I got that. Dude, we'll get into it in a minute. You know what? But the behind the scenes mm-hmm. of what was going on and the way the guys were busting his balls and he's staying up all night with Steve Oderkirk, this is going to be a good one. It's right. It's going to be a really good one. Yes, it is. Ace Ventura, mm-hmm. which, is, which is still my favorite Jim Carrey movie dude, to this day. Fantastic. Very close second will probably be Me, Myself, and Irene. I love that movie. You know what? If I'm gonna go with my second, you're gonna hate me for it. It's the mask. Yeah. I, yeah. And you know, it's because it was. It was honestly, I I saw it in reverse order. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Then I saw Ace Ventura two. Mm-hmm. Then I saw Ace Ventura one. Uh, Ace Ventura one's my favorite. Mm-hmm. The mask and then Ace Ventura two. <laughs> How would you like me to make your life a living hell? Well, I'm not really looking for a relationship right now, but thank you for asking. <laughs> That's my favorite line for that movie. Dude, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we go ahead and knock that out. Let's go ahead and go into dropping that news. Dropping that news. All right, so the biggest news that happened this past week, the 2020 Golden Globes happened this past Sunday. Uh, it was hosted by Ricky Gervais. Uh, I think a lot of Twitter has been blowing up right now because apparently Ricky Gervais yeah. went, went the fuck in on Hollywood's elite. Well, it was it was basically a snuff film, and yeah. he was snuffing himself in his career. I think. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you can't you can't take a shit on Amazon, Disney, and Apple in front of the entire damn world and expect to and get work. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean. The, the, the public response has been, for the most part, people seem to love it. Uh, everyone from the industry seems to hate it. So, yeah. caught up. That's the news. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, uh, like me and AJ have actually discussed this. I personally do not find Ricky Gervais to be that funny. I just have my reasons. AJ loves him because, in fact, he's a fan of like the the original Office. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> loves him might be a little bit extreme, but I think I think it's pretty funny. I enjoy that that type of awkward comedy. That's the same reason why, even though I know at some point. In fact, I'll tell you about it later. I had a fucking nightmare about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I'm going to end up having to pay the piper. I like watching somebody die on stage. That awkward moment where the yeah. other person is super uncomfortable. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've experienced. I've experienced it. It sucks. As a stand-up, yeah. I wouldn't say that he's. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's even my top ten. Like he's he's no. all right. Um, yeah. The the more funny thing to me was. Watching Adam Driver being the only person in the room laughing, laughing his yeah, saw, ass off. I saw that one meme. Yeah. As everybody else is just like, uh, what do we do? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, it was a bunch of like, uh. And you know what? I mean, he, he said some stuff that, you know, maybe, maybe it resonates, maybe it doesn't. But, yeah. well, anyway, watch it for yourself. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and go through the list of the winners. So uh, first off is uh, Best Performance by an Actor on a TV Series, Musical or Comedy. Uh, the winner was a dude named uh, Rami Youssef. Never heard of him? Yeah, Rami. Uh, yeah, he has a show, Rami. I've never heard of him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's out there. It's I, I haven't watched it, but I'm aware of it. Okay. Uh, winner for Best Actress in the same category would be uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge for the show Fleabag. I know, I know that, like, that I swept think I've the, heard of it. Yeah, it swept, sure it, it swept the Emmys this past year. I remember that. Same, is, that same, not, is that an Amazon show? I believe so. It's, like, British show, because I know uh, I saw, like, an uh, advertisement for it and the... Uh, other guy in is Andrew Scott, who's like uh, Moriarty from uh, that Sherlock series. Oh, okay. So I, I do remember seeing something about it, but apparently it's getting a lot of traction right now. Huh. Now, uh, best performance by an actor in a, in a television series for a drama went to uh, Brian Cox for Secession. I've always been a big fan of Brian Cox. Uh, yeah, he's killer. First thing I ever saw him in, to be honest with you, was uh, X-Men, X2, X-Men United. He was okay. a striker, the yeah. bad guy. So that's the first thing I really remember be, seeing him in. And I think he's, yeah, he's also in the Bourne movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in the Bourne movie, so yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah, he's solid. Uh, uh, best actress in the same category went to Olivia Coleman for The Crown. Yeah, I'm aware of it, but I don't tend to watch those, like, you kind of lose me when you start getting into royalty. I mean, you know, I'm, right. I'm Irish-American. I don't really care about all that other shit. Likewise. <laughs> uh, best performance by an actor in a limited uh, series or motion picture made for television, Russell Crowe for The Loudest Voice. I think he's, like, playing, like, Rupert Murdoch. I have no idea. I, think, I, think I didn't even I think, hear I think, that I think, one. I think that's what it is. Like, he's, like, in extensive, like, makeup and stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. So well, good. you know, hey, good for him. Yeah. Uh, best performance by an actress in the same category, uh, Michelle Williams for Fosse Verdon. I believe it's, like, probably by, like, Bob Fosse. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, But I like Michelle Williams. She's cool. Yeah, there's uh, nothing wrong there. Yeah. Best limited uh, television, uh, best, uh, sort of best television limited series or motion picture made for television. It's kind of redundant. Uh, Chernobyl. Yeah, from HBO. Yeah, I've, I've they heard, killed it this year. I've heard like a lot of great things about the show. I've yet to watch it, but yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, best performance by an actress in a supporting role in a series of limited limited series or motion picture made for TV. Patricia Arquette for the act. Which did you see her acceptance speech or speech or hear any of it? Yeah, I saw her. She she was a little bit out there, dude. Yeah, she was. Out, she, I'm, I mean, I'm wondering. I mean, she was she was out there in terms of her speech and out there in terms of her dress. See, I didn't I didn't see that part. I just actually got to hear it more. <laughs> well, and the other part everyone was saying was uh, I guess she's still wearing sunglasses the whole time she's up there, and it mm-hmm. sounded like her her pupils were probably gigantic. Something else was gigantic <laughs> too. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Yeah, so uh, best uh, best performance by an actor in the same category went to Stalin Skarsgård for Chernobyl. Okay. Another Chernobyl winner. Yeah. Best uh, television series drama went to Secession. Best television series comedy went to Fleabag. Again, I think the same thing as Swept the yeah. Emmy, so it's sweeping the Golden Globes. Best best motion picture, musical, or comedy, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's movie. See, and that's that's another one of those ones where with the Globes, I got to go, how the hell are they categorizing things? It's like when uh, when The Martian won. Yeah, it's not a comedy. Yeah, I don't, or I don't, a musical. Yeah, I don't see. Yeah, I don't see why. They I don't know do. why they they have this categorization issue. Mm-hmm. Either that, or they think what we think is drama is mm-hmm. hilarious as hell. Funny enough, all the other uh, things in this category are actually fit the category. This is the only one that stands out. Like, yeah, uh, it's so weird the way they do that. Shit. Yeah, the other ones are Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, which I've heard a lot of good things about. Knives yeah, out. I haven't seen, a, yeah, seen either of them. Rocket yet, Man, the Elton John movie, and Dolomite is my name. Yeah, but well, Rocket Man's yeah, that'd be a musical. Then, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So yeah, and Dolomite like, so it is a comedy. Exactly, it fits. Yeah, so whatever. Uh, well, they couldn't let Eddie win. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, best motion picture drama was the one I told you about, 1917. Yeah. I told you. From the little bits I've been able to see, because yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't as well connected as you to have seen an early copy. Mm-hmm. It looks fantastic. Like, it's top of my list for must-see in the theater. It is. It's great. It is absolutely great. Uh, I, just, I definitely suggest you check it out. Uh, best motion picture foreign language, Parasite. Um, don't know who did that. Yeah. Um, oh, no, it's, uh, it's a Korean film. I actually, I did, I did see about it. One, um, I think it actually won Cannes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it, it's supposed to be pretty fantastic. It's actually like a, a, a war between the classes, essentially. It's about somebody who's... Um, going to work for a wealthy family, and there's this—it's one of those classical kind of dramas, something like that, you know, fish out of water kind of a thing. Okay. But they said it did did fantastic. It's on on again my watch list. Yeah, I think it won a couple other awards when we get to that. Uh, best screenplay, motion picture, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best original song, uh, I'm gonna love me again from Rocket Man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it must have been a little expensive to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> His actual uh, songs. This one, you'll like. Best original score, motion picture, Joker won. Yep. For best original score. This is a great film. Best uh, best actor in a supporting role in. Is that the actual category? Best supporting actor, uh, best actor in a supporting role in any motion picture. I guess. Dude, when it comes to the Globes and the Hollywood, I mean, yeah, just it, let it go, it's, dude. It's weird. The, the, the but, Hollywood Foreign okay. Press going to do what they yeah, do. Yeah, but the winner was Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah, he was great in that movie. I'll give him that. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, best Actress in the Same Category, Laura Dern for Marriage Story. I've heard a lot of mixed things about this show. Yeah, I've, I don't know anything about a lot, it. A lot of, it's on Netflix. It's like Adam Driver and... Uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson and then you know it's like okay. of, so I, I, think, I think a lot of people are comparing this to like Kramer versus Kramer oh okay like one of those type of movies um, hmm. best actor uh, best actor in a motion picture musical comedy went to uh, Teron Egerton for uh, Rocket Man uh, hmm. like I said this is a disappointment to me because I thought Eddie Murphy should have won that's just me yep uh Best motion picture animated, uh, Missing Link. That uh, I think they have is like a Yeti movie. Like it was one of those like Pixar and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So good for them. Uh, best actor in a motion picture drama, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker. Yep. And I saw his. He slayed that. I saw his. He was so weird, but it's so it's so him. Yeah. 
Well, perfect. I mean, that's kind of what he what he does. It's, it's perfect for him. <laughs> it's definitely perfect for him. Uh, best actress in a drama, same category. Uh, Renee Zellweger for Judy, because she the whole Judy Garland thing she yep. did, and she I saw the stills of her in that movie. She looks just like Judy Garland. It yeah, was it was a great transformation. Yeah, man, good for her. Um, best actress in a motion picture, musical, or comedy, Aquafina for The Farewell. And actually, my my wife was was huge on that one. She she has a great that's a smaller role, but a great role in um, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, I think that's the main thing I remember her from. Yeah, well, that, that was that was her real breakout. Cause she'd been doing uh, I think like a lot of YouTube stuff, com- comedy stuff uh, off to the side. And now she's finally breaking in. She's a killer actress. Yeah, I give I give, give her props for that. Uh, best director Sam Mendes, 1917. Yep. Yeah, cool. And I let's see, I believe that's it. Yeah. 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 That's, that's all of them. All right, cool. Well, you know, I mean, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association doesn't really get into editing and technical stuff as much. That's just not their bag. Thank God. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think there was a couple of, like, uh, honorary awards. The Carol Burnett Award went to Ellen DeGeneres. I believe it's like for, okay. I think it's like for excellence in television or something like that. I mean, it makes sense. She she basically picked up for Oprah where Oprah yeah. left off, and she's got that mm-hmm. on lockdown for daytime TV. And they also gave like the the big like lifetime achievement award to uh, Tom Hanks. I forgot the name of it, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw I saw him up on stage. Mm-hmm. He was crying. He was talking to his family. Yeah, it was nice. It yeah, was, it was his, it was, his, it was, wife, uh, his wife, his mom. It was like, uh, it was touching. Yeah, it was beautiful. Good for Tom Hanks. Yeah. Man. I always love Tom Hanks, man. And the good news is, as of today, I'm pretty sure we got everything out of the hotel over there finally. Nice. <laughs> Back to business as usual. <laughs> Very nice. All right, so we got that out the way. Like I said, that's pretty much the big thing in terms of the news. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing nothing else in terms of entertainment at the moment. Not really, no. Uh, let's get into this thing, man. Mm-hmm. In living color, you can do what you want to do. <laughs> oh, so where do, you, where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with uh, the creator of the show, Keenan. Keenan Ivory Wayans. The okay. f- as I refer to him, the first Wayans. Because <laughs> he was the first Wayans. He was and the- you know what? Yeah. I, he's 60, 61, 62 now, I think. Looks fantastic. Seriously. He looks fantastic. Yeah, he's, has he not, has not aged past about 40. Yeah, he's, he's been on that vegan living shit for like, I think, Look, at, least, at least 10, 20 years. Everybody's got a different makeup. Whatever he's doing, it yeah, works. That's right. He needs to keep it up. Exactly. So, um, But like I said, Keenan Ivory Wayans was the first of the Wayans family to break out. He started out as a comedian in the late 70s. Uh, he uh, actually went to college at the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, and while he was there, he was kind of like the entertainment guy for the campus and whatnot. Uh, actually, a lot of this uh, information we're giving you, uh, at least from my perspective, is going to be from a really great interview he gave for the Archive of American Television. Okay. Yeah, he 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 gave a lot of insight in terms of this is like maybe just a few years ago. He gave a lot of insight into the show and how it got started. But like I said, he was in uh, the Tuskegee Institute. He was like the New York guy. Everybody loved to hear his crazy stories about New York. And then a friend down there suggested to him, "Hey, you should try stand up." Like, okay. And then come to find out, the club that he suggested Keenan go to was like. A mile from his house in New York. So he went all the way to Alabama to learn about a place that was literally a mile from his house. Just down the road. Just down it's the weird, road. It's weird how that stuff works out sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, he went in there. He came into this stand-up scene in New York. And he started around the same time as Eddie Murphy, Robert Townsend, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Burr is one he named, Larry David. Yep. They were all you know doing stand-up around the same time in New York. And they were very protective of each other and Keenan was kind of like one of the enforcers in terms of like uh, you know the big taboo of comedians stealing other jokes and shit Yeah. so Keenan was one of the ones that would go to a comedian like hey that joke he did about whatever you can't do that Jerry Seinfeld does that 
He was one of the main ones that did that shit. Well, I mean, that's, cause, that's cause the he, way it's got it's to be. You have to have something like that to enforce it, or you end up with a Carlos Mencia situation. Plus, he of the of the group that he named up, he's the biggest and most physically intimidating. <laughs> he's, he's like 6'4 back then. So Yeah, I mean, he, he, he basically, if you look at some of the old stuff, it, the only other person I could think of I've seen in modern times who was built like that maybe be Charlie Murphy. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, but like Keenan, like Keenan, and Keenan, and Keenan's taller than, than Charlie was. Yeah, six. He's like yeah. six four. Yeah, he's he's a mountain of a man. Yes, he is. But uh, Keenan got very popular as a stand up. He did the Tonight Show in nineteen eighty two. He talks about that experience, and I love how he talks about like he was so nervous and he yep. was just he was like racked with nerves because like he had been watching the Tonight Show with his grandfather for years and years as a kid. And he literally would watch it with his grandfather sitting on his lap until he got too big to be on his lap anymore. And he always watched the whole thing with the comedian of the night. And yep. he that was of that generation where if you're a comedian and you go on the Tonight well, Show, change your life. Well, and I, I mean, honestly, up until probably the last 10, maybe 15 years, it was the Tonight Show... And then a little bit later, The Late Show with David Letterman. Yeah. If you were on either one of those, that was what was going to make it or break it for you. That was going to be your breakout moment. If you yeah. came out and you were a star, mm-hmm. and even going a little deeper on the Johnny side, yeah. the way you could tell if you were going to make it as a comedian, if you really had the blessing, mm-hmm. is if Johnny gave you that, come on over to the couch. Come on over and if talk Johnny to Johnny brought you over to the couch. You made, bro. You're, you're in. You're in. And he said it wasn't an immediate change in terms of his career, but it did put him in a different class of comedians. Yep. Uh, like that, people saw him for other things. He got a lot more work in terms of TV and stuff, which I'm going to go into a little bit later. But his main thing at the time was his partnerships that he had with his his friends, in particular a little group of friends that was f- referred to in uh, the Hollywood trades as the Black Pack. And that Black Pack had some pretty heavy hitters in it: Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. Arsenio Hall, Robert Townsend, and Keenan Ivory Wayans. That was the Black Pack, and then peripherally. Uh, apparently Paul Mooney. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, funny enough, uh, Pee Wee Herman on his Instagram actually has a plaque that was actually given to him as an honorary member of the Black Pack. <laughs> it, it was his young Pee Wee with the plaque. And then you see, I think you see that's a, awesome. It's with him in the senior hall. It's <laughs> like, wow. Okay. But yeah, they, you know. That, they, that, was, that was before they learned a thing or two about him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but we'll get into that a little bit later. We can, actually, you, you can wait yeah, for us to talk yeah, about it, or yeah. you can always Google. No, actually, funny enough, that's actually a skit on it in Living Color. We're going to get to that <laughs> As a little it later. Been. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, like I said, they, these were the young, uh, young black enterprising uh, comedians out there. They were the ones that were kind of breaking out. Of course, the first one of the pack to break out was Eddie. Mm-hmm. Eddie became a huge star. Very quickly of the group, and then right after that would be Arsenio because he like uh, he was getting popular as a comedian. But the breakout for Arsenio was uh, they had that Joan Rivers talk show, yeah. you know, that was on Fox, the one that Johnny Carson pretty much ostracized her yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for doing whatever. Well, actually, she left that show, and they had a bunch of guest hosts for a little bit. I think Alan Thicke did it for a little bit. Pat Sajak did it for a little bit. And this then, is like turning into a Family Guy's yeah, yeah, cutaway. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, Arsenio Hall did it. But the ratings were best with Arsenio. And it eventually became the Arsenio Hall Show. And that became the hot uh, talk show of the late 80s, early 90s. Everybody who was anybody was on the Arsenio Hall now, Show. Now, help me with the timeline. Was that before or after coming to America? Uh, I think it was after, wasn't it? Just a little bit after. Okay, because that's what I was going to say. I think that's what got him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, little, yeah, I mean, he uh, did um, come into America, and he was very popular, but 
when he got to the talk show, he was popular from uh, from coming to America, but the talk show is kind of what solidified him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what that's what gave him, mm-hmm. and that was that was honestly the the most mm-hmm. disappointing part when they brought back his show. They they put him on a shitty time slot. Yeah, and then unfortunately, as we all know, they they you know canceled it. Yeah, and then the next of the pack to break out was actually Robert Townsend. Yeah. Now Robert Townsend broke out. In part due to Keaton Ivory Wayans, because of the fact they were writing partners. Yep. And the first movie they worked on together, Hollywood Shuffle, which is a still one of the best. Oh, it's sat- killer! One of the best satirical movies ever made. It's killer. It's basically showing like a, a young black actor um, struggling out here in Hollywood with the stereotypes that perpetrate um, Hollywood in terms of black actors, yep. you know, street pimps and uh, slaves and things of that nature. But doing it in a hilarious satirical way and you seeing him want to do the movies he wants to do he wants to do like private eye movies he wants to do superhero movies he wants to do action movies just like all the other uh well-known white actors and then like this one great scene in the movie where it's like he's at an audition and all all the actors are looking for is an eddie murphy type yeah and then (laughs) but he keeps trying to resist it but like the more he goes into the audition he keeps doing the eddie murphy laugh he can't help it like it's it's crazy but it's such a brilliant movie but like i said co-written by Keenan Ivory Wayans, who actually appears in the movie in multiple roles. My favorite one, my favorite role that he plays in the movie is Jerry Curl, the uh, <laughs> the villain in the uh, Private Eye thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And the, with the with the. Uh, <laughs> well, because it's because it's a toss up. It's a toss up between yeah. Soul Glow. Yeah. And uh, Jerry oh, shit. Curl. Well, yeah, but what was that? Um, I can't remember the name of the character. He's the one pimp in uh, in um, uh, Black Dynamite. One pimp. Yeah, yeah. When there's, the, he's, uh, he's not the one. I don't think he's the one who says. Uh, it's not the one who says that I sell uh, drugs in the community. Drugs in the community, but it's yeah. one of the other guys who's in there. He's got the Jerry Curl and the whole fucking thing going. I swear to God, when I saw it, I thought that's what he was doing was like an impression or a throwback or like a nod to that. I, 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 it, it was yes, great. You yeah, got to, you got to. We'll watch it again. I will watch it again. Yeah. We're gonna do a watch along, but it's gonna be the best episode because we're just not gonna say shit. We're just gonna sit there and laugh our asses <laughs> off. Because there's nothing to say. Michael J. White put yeah. it all on the screen. Yes, he did. Yeah. All right, but going back to the Hollywood Shuffle, like I said, it was a very successful movie financed entirely by credit cards, which is amazing. Yep. Apparently, Robert Townsend had fantastic credit. Because he applied for all these different credit cards, got approved, and used said credit cards to finance this movie. Well, it's, it's a combination of good credit, and uh, it was uh, a little bit before they started having this Instacredit check thing. Mm-hmm. So it would take them a second to catch up on you. Also, the fact that they also had no filming permits. So they would basically <laughs> have, if they basically filming all over Los Angeles. They would have somebody on the lookout, make sure no cops around, yeah. and they would make this movie. So if you get out of LA, mm-hmm. you end up in places where people offer, like, they'll say, oh, I, I can't afford to pay you to shoot a movie here. In LA, you're constantly on the lookout and trying to figure out who's picking my pocket next to be able to shoot here. Exactly. That's the, that's the sad part about it, but they got it done, and it's a hell of a film. Yeah, but like I said, it's a fantastic movie, and like I said, of the two, the one that really got the credit for the movie was Robert. And Robert parlayed that into a pretty good career. Uh, and actually, they, him and Keenan continued to work together on several other projects. Yep. They, uh, they worked together on Eddie Murphy Raw. Uh, they did the opening sequence where it's like Eddie Murphy's family yeah, and, li- little, and li- little Eddie. Keenan wrote that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is great. And and Robert directed Raw. Uh, yep. And then um, the other movie that they did is kind of, of, of the of the projects they've done, is kind of lasted the test of time, especially with black audiences, The Five Heartbeats. Yep. Uh, they're uh, basically their, their uh, musical movie that they did, very musical drama, pretty much. And uh, like that's one of those, like, 
uh, cookout, uh, family gathering type movies. Like whenever like it's a black gathering, somebody got the five heartbeats on because that it's just one of those movies. They know the songs, you know all the routines. You know, they've seen it a million times, but they watch it like it's like 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 it's the first time every time. Yeah. So like and, like I said, there's been like anniversaries now for the five heartbeats. It's still a great movie. It's but, killer. Yeah. Like I said, all this was happening. Robert was getting the credit, and Kenan's like, you know what? It's my time. Yeah. It's time I did something. So the thing that he did was write his own movie, which was I'm Going to Get You Sucker. Yep. Yeah. Now, the genesis of I'm Going to Get You Sucker actually came from another Black Pack member, Mr. Eddie Murphy. They were just riffing at Eddie's house, just having fun, and Eddie was brought up that whole concept like, wouldn't it be great if we did a movie that like made fun of those old black exploitation movies? You know, this you put this in the movie, put that in the movie, and then Eddie even said the title. He said, "I'm gonna get you, sucker!" Like just to, <laughs> just to, just to play around with it. Now, like I said, during this time, all this is happening with Eddie being successful, Arsenio being successful, Robert being successful, and Kino is like, "Hey." uh... I should have some have my own little thing on. Hey, um, he talked to Eddie. He's like, "Hey, man, um, that I'm gonna get you sucker thing. Were you gonna do something with that?" And Eddie was like, "No, nah, man. Like, will you mind if I do something? No, like, go ahead, do, do your thing, man." And that was the beginning. That was the genesis. Keenan that, that sat, was his big breakout. Keenan sat down and wrote it himself, and. He directed himself, financed. He got the financing for it. Went out and shot it. It's a brilliant satire of the black exploitation genre. Uh, like I said, it's the Actually, first. It, yeah. might, it might be the first satire of, of black exploitation. Mm, yes, because I, I was going back through mm-hmm. and I was looking at because there's been several iterations ever since then. But mm-hmm. he, I think he was the first. Well, the first one to actually sit down and make a satire of that whole genre. Yeah, it's actually a, probably the first. It's definitely the first black one. I know that because, like, you know, those spoofs and satire movies have been around for a minute. You know, Airplane and The Naked Gun and Top Secret and yeah, all but, those. Yeah, but, like, but none of those were but, about specifically black exploitation. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm that's saying. That's, this is the yeah. first satire of black exploitation. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. On yeah, that. yeah, yes, yeah. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, it was. It's def- a killer film. It, yeah, it's definitely uh, unique in its own right. <laughs> <laughs> that's an understatement, but yeah. But yeah, uh, Keenan in the movie plays this uh, army guy. Uh, Jack Spade comes home to. Uh, <laughs> fight this uh, epidemic of uh, gold chains infecting the, the streets, <laughs> mainly because of the fact his brother dies of gold. <laughs> uh, OG, OG, he, he OG'd yeah. over gold because he, <laughs> he just dies and gold. He like dies surrounded in gold chains, and I love the recurring joke throughout the movie when they see the body of him like covered in gold chains. They kept saying like. How do you go to the bathroom with all that stuff? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so silly, man. Oh, it's killer. Yeah, and then like all the different people that he has to help him are like you know old school black exploitation actors. So they got Bernie Casey, uh, Isaac Hayes, Jim Brown. Uh, they did have a kung fu guy, Steve James, who did do some black exploitation movies, but he was basically doing a rip off of Jim Kelly, Black Bell Jones. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jim Kelly. Apparently, Jim Kelly didn't do the movie. I don't know why the fuck Jim Kelly didn't do the movie. Should have. But yeah, Steve James is basically Kung Fu Joe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I love he like brought up a Bruce Lee. He brought up a Bruce Lee picture. Teacher, teacher. <laughs> wow, Bruce Lee was your teacher? Was your was, was your martial arts teacher? No, acting. <laughs> 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 but yeah, and then uh, I look, the, the, the one good question they have when they all meet and they meet Jack for the, uh, for the first time and all the old uh, black exploitation heroes, they look at Jack and it's like, okay, let me ask you a question. What qualifies you to be a black action hero? And he stops and thinks about it. He's like, I'm an ex-football player. <laughs> 
it just shuts everything down. <laughs> like they like you got a bad smell. Like yep, that's pretty much all you need to be. Well, it actually you think about a timeline. I mean, that's when OJ's careers. I think he just left the NFL. I think about the time this came out, didn't he? No, he he'd been gone. He'd been out for a minute. This, what I'm saying, he's he's sorry. What I'm saying is he's he's into he's into acting at that point, yes, right? Yes, he was. Because yeah. it's him and Jim Brown. Yeah, he had like a. I think I remember he had a show on HBO. I think it's like first and because I can't remember what, what was it like. It was it was 80s, right? When he when he quit yeah. football. Yeah. Okay. He retired and you know, went in the Hall of Fame and all that shit. Around the 80s, and uh, yeah, he's big into acting. He did a bunch of different projects. He is in the Naked Gun yeah. and you know, all that shit. No, that's a great great line hitting on uh, yeah. what's happening in the current hitting, day. Hitting on the head, but it has so many great you know black actors on the come up in that movie. Most of the Wayans, a lot of the Wayans are in the movie. Damon's in the movie. Kim is in the movie, and. <laughs> Film debut with Sean and Marlon is in this movie. Yep. As extras. They're both extras in the movie. Well, that was something he did a lot with them. In fact, we'll get into it a little more when we get into Living Color, but yeah. they, they were either PAs or they were extras or little bit parts here and there on the show. Yeah, he was getting the family in there, man. Yep. Yes, he was, man. Uh, but while this was happening, his own little brother was kind of forging his own path, Damon. Yep. Damon Wayans. He was out uh, there. He was slaying it on the, the stand-up circuit. Debuted in 82, became one of the hottest, most... Uh, High-profile young black comedians out there, man. He was like, I remember like uh, watching our senior hall show with Eddie Murphy, and like Eddie Murphy had quit doing stand-up, and he kept they kept asking him like, uh, why do you why aren't you doing stand-up anymore? It's like, man, it's like freaking so many good comedians out there. The first one he said, and the one he said the one that intimidated him the most was Damon Wayans, and that's how good Damon Wayans was. And I, I've seen a couple old clips of Damon Wayans. He was a monster, bro. Okay, I've got I got to stop you and correct you. Yeah. I still think he is a monster. Yeah, but it was specifically back then. He was just like I mean, he, the yeah. the hunger and the speed and everything. I mean, look, right. it's it's a different speed now because yeah. hate to put it that way, but he's kind of like in that that dad mode of, of comedy where it's like he's he's got he's distinguished enough. Yes, that he's kind of it changes his pace and his style just a little bit, not a lot, just mm-hmm. a little bit. But I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it was like. It was like Mike Tyson at 19 coming out, but the stand-up version. You're just like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Just a quick little sidebar. Yeah, we're going to go into Damon. We'll go back to Keenan, but we're going to go into Damon for a little bit. Because Damon, like I mentioned before, he was in uh, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, the first yep. one. He was the banana man. <laughs> Pizzas, plums, oranges, the bananas. Well, I need a couple bananas. Here, take those bananas. <laughs> <laughs> and that was actually his credit in the movie, Banana Man. <laughs> and uh, But he got really popular off of that. And then his popularity led him to a very brief stint on Saturday Night Live, yep. which is kind of one of the catalysts for Living Color, his brief stint on uh, SNL. Because Damon got on there and was pretty much underutilized. They didn't well, really do anything with him. I mean, you know, you know how he got fired, right? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm gonna get it to that. But like, what they would do is they would basically just be in the background and a lot of skits. He, they never really gave him a lead. Thing. Yeah, he, he never got, he never got a skit that was his. No, every sketch, every well sketch, yeah. every sketch that he had. Yeah, he was always a, an also played. Exactly. Yeah, he was, a, he was just a featured player pretty much. And what got him fired? We're gonna talk about it. What got him fired from a Living Color from uh, SNL? Excuse me. Was uh, I think he's like eleven episodes in, and uh, there was one particular skit where he was supposed to just play a cop in the background and have one little line. Uh, but the thing about it is, he played the cop as a feminine, like pretty much a gay cop. Yeah. And which was funnier, but not what they wanted. 
Well, he he essentially what they officially said for why they let him go was uh, was because he ad libbed a line. Mm-hmm. That was the way they just, they decided to describe it. So basically, what they're hitting him was, you didn't play what we wanted you to play. You were too rogue, and so that's why I dropped him. Basically, and then of course, Keenan being his brother is like, uh, no, you're making a huge mistake. He's probably the best guy you got on that cast, yeah. and it was a stat cast. Like it was like right after like the Eddie Murphy years. So uh, if you really think about it, Damon is the first black comedian to really catch the specter of Eddie Murphy because like yep. every black comedian male comedian that's been on SNL since Eddie Murphy at one point they have said uh, is this guy going to be the next Eddie Murphy yep. that's the one thing they've always asked uh, pretty much nobody's touched nobody's him got it, yeah. nobody's touched him they've all, a lot of people have gone on to have great careers particularly Chris Rock and Tracy Morgan guys like that that well, were and, on there and look and yeah. as we're talking about Damon Wayans yes. it's one of the biggest mistakes they ever made yes, they lost Damon Yes, he would. Exactly. So, yeah, it, he, he pretty much uh, left SNL, went on, did his own thing. Like I said, Keenan was doing I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Damon is in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. He's one yep. of the main henchmen in the movie. <laughs> he has a lot of hilarious lines in the movie. And, and uh, like I said, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker came out initially. Now, the fact is I'm Gonna Get You Sucker was actually not supposed to see the light of day, according to Keenan. They uh, the the actual company that had the movie had a video deal, and it was supposed to make a certain amount of content to satisfy this video deal. Uh, I'm gonna get you sucker. Was supposed to be one of those movies to go in that deal. That was like straight to video type yeah. shit. You know what I'm saying? But it was never never slated for theatrical. No, but Keenan, being Keenan, got the balls to say, "Hey, you're not gonna you're not gonna shove this movie. No, we're not doing that." And they're like. Like, why should we? Why should we listen to you? Like, because the fact there hasn't been a black movie in years. Yeah, yeah. Now think about this: what if there were no white movies? Now, what if one movie comes out? Wouldn't you go see it just because of the fact you haven't seen yourself in years? Yep. And that was his reasoning behind you know pushing. Um, I'm gonna get you sucker for a theatrical release. They. Put, they did do the theatrical release for I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, but they did it in markets that were not the big markets. So it was right. like five markets. Neither one of them were New York or uh, L.A. Yeah. and They're all small small market, second yeah. or third tier. And they also put them against twins. Yeah. With uh, Schwarzenegger and DeVito. And, but funny enough, box office comes in, twins, number one. I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, number two, despite the markets that it's in. Yep. So they do another test to see if this really should really get the big wide wide release or whatever. So they put it in another market against January Man with uh, Kevin Klein, mm-hmm. made by the same company. Uh, they put those two mar- they put those two movies out. Uh, they put the January Man movie in like fifteen hundred theaters. They put I'm gonna get you sucker in like two hundred. Again, box office comes in. January Man, one million nine. I'm gonna get you sucker, one million six. With ridiculously, like I said, five, five, fifteen hundred theaters versus like two hundred theaters. Yep. And then they was like, you know what? We'll give it a wide. We're gonna give it a wide, and they put the January man shit into that fucking video deal. Yep. Yeah, and that was the one that really broke out. Keenan. I remember I, I looked on YouTube. There's like old clips of him on like Soul Train promoting it, and. He was yep. everywhere. He was on talk shows. Look, like he's he's always been a worker. Exactly. He got his moment. He's this is his moment now. Like yeah, like it's, it's about me now. You know what I'm saying? And then 
as that uh, was success, success was going on, um, some of the executives over at Fox had a screening. Of, I'm gonna get you sucker. Well, so what it, what it was was yeah. it was actually an industry an industry screening. Mm-hmm. So they had people coming from lots of different um, like Warner's guys, like all these guys that basically work in uh, uh, in distribution and sales. They all came out to see it. Mm-hmm. Now, for whatever reason. Uh, the guys at uh, Fox Motion Picture didn't show. Didn't show, but the guys from Fox Television did. That's yeah, right. And so they ended up giving them a, giving him a call a little bit later, saying, "Hey, would you come in for a meeting?" And so he figured maybe, at least from what I've seen in his interviews, maybe we're going to sit down and they're going to talk to me about, you know, hey, we're, we we talked to the guys over in the movie side and they've got a movie thing for it because mm-hmm. he was never really big on TV. No, no, he was not. So I'll let, I'll let you jump in from here. But yeah, yeah. Now. Uh, before we really get into that, there was sort of a precursor to A Living Color uh, on HBO. Robert Townsend and His Partners in Crime, written by Robert and Keenan. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, it was a series of HBO specials, one hour HBO specials, specially uh, spilled around Robert Townsend as the host, the MC, and whatnot. But a good majority of the uh, cast of A Living Color were featured in these particular uh, specials. Keenan. Damon, Kim, Sean, and Marlon, actually. Mm-hmm. Same thing as extras. Uh, and then another cast, another uh, woman who actually become a cast member, Anne-Marie Johnson. She was the main squeeze in uh, um, Hollywood Shuffle. She was in I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. She's the chick with uh, the <laughs> Jack has like a little liaison in the bar with a sexy chick or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, like I, I need a man with like, 12 inches and shit like that <laughs> and, and, and uh, they have a little thing they go to back to her place and they start making out and then Jack's like I, I got a confession to make I I don't have 12 inches like oh I, I appreciate how free you are like I got a confession to make too these are not this is not my natural eye color she takes out the contacts I'm like okay he's like okay cool and guess what this ain't my real hair either she takes off the wig she has no hair <laughs> and the little, the little scant amount she ha- the little scant amount of hair she has is like a little bow tie <laughs> a little, 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 little tie right here and then she and then the more she, she takes off more it's just and more getting stuff. worse and worse and it's like guess what I don't have, uh, these great bars these great bosoms of mine fake <laughs> this luscious ass fake <laughs> And guess what? And she has like one leg. <laughs> and then he's just like completely just mortified by, oh my God, this is disgusting. It just gets more and more and ridiculous. She's, and she's like, oh, oh, I'm so happy. Right? I'm like, oh, I, I gotta go. Where are you going? Where are you going? And she's, like, so she's ho- hobbling. <laughs> Don't let me cop after you. <laughs> That's so fucked up. It's so funny. But she, she was that girl. She was, she was also in um, Partners in Crime. Yeah. And like I said, a lot is the partners in crime specials were very successful. Yeah. Uh, like I said, in, not, not even just the Wayans family. Um, Tommy Davidson does stand up on one. David Allen Greer is on a couple of them. Like yeah, they, huh. they yeah they they kind of, it's like I said like a little precursor to uh, in Living Color on these uh, these little specials and stuff. So like I said, going back to the story where uh, the Fox executives meet Keenan. Now, they talked to him and said, hey, we like your movie. You did a fantastic job with it. We want to give you a TV show, okay? And this is the kicker. Uh, they told him specifically, you can do what you want to do. Well, at the at the time, yeah. what I saw in the interview with the uh, uh, with the executive, uh, Garth, uh, Garth Ansier, mm-hmm. uh, they, they had their cork board up because back in the days, everything was done with cork board when they're setting up the schedule for the week, whatever, on the board. Because you got to remember, too, Fox at this point, to call them a network's a bit generous. They yeah, were nothing more than an upstart. They were just yeah. trying to figure out how to get something with some. Basically, think of them as Netflix 
five, six years ago at a minimum. They were the newbies. They were trying to figure this shit out, and so they had this idea they were calling the Black Laughing. <laughs> that's, he swears to God, that's what was on the board. And so they said, we want you to take this, mm-hmm. and they said, look, we're going to let you do whatever you want to do. Really? You know, yeah, within, yeah, yeah. within the certain amount of reason, because, I mean, there was obvious in the room, it's like, look, we got an FCC license, yeah. so there's going to be something, <laughs> but short of that, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. But, like, the whole thing, the one thing they kept telling them, we really want you to push the edge. Yes. That's what he was push the edge. That's what they were telling him yep. initially. And he's like, okay. Well, I mean, that's, in fact, that's what, what, uh, what all the executives and yeah. uh, these interviews and stuff I've seen and read, that's what they all said. Yeah. That was why they wanted him. They yeah. needed Edgy because yeah. how else are you going to get eyeballs? Yeah. So, uh, we put on I Love Lucy yeah. reruns? Exactly. So, Keenan gets this idea, gets this germ of an idea, and of course, like, it pretty much turns into, I want to do a black SNL. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's thinking about, of course, his brother's misfortune that happened at SNL. And Damon, of all the living color cast members, is the very first recruit. Yep. He's like, fuck, I got the hottest comedian in the country right now. And he happens to be my fucking brother. Yeah. Like, he's in. That's the guy I wanted. I got him. Now, in terms of the name of the show, I read somewhere the original name of the show was at one point considered to be Whiteout. <laughs> I was like, wow, really? That's pretty great. <laughs> Whatever. But the actual name in Living Color, a lot of people don't know where that came from. He was actually inspired, another NBC thing. Yep. Yeah, the uh, promos that they had for NBC back in the day. You're now watching, uh, yeah, this program is brought to you in Living Color on NBC. Yep. They That's snagged it right out of there, lifted in, it up. In Living Color. That's where the name In Living Color came from. Well, it makes the thing I like about that that makes a lot of sense is really cool about it. You, In my mind, I can see him, I mean, not as a kid necessarily, not like five, six years old because, you know, color was coming along a little bit later. But I can see him as like an impressionable, like, you know, juvenile adolescent yeah. watching that shit. Mm-hmm. That's something that sticks in your head, man. That's right. I mean, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And I love, love the... Honestly, TV basically get back to itself. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, let's go into a little bit into the actual casting of a living color. Like now, well, we already said the first recruit, the very first cast member ever cast for a living color was Damon Wayans. What's now, crazy is it? I mean, because yeah. we're getting into this, yeah. this was a slaughter. There's going to be names we're going to drop. You're going to be like, oh my God. how did they miss out on it? Yeah, but then uh, through Damon. We got Jim Carrey. Yep, he brought him in. Exactly, because they did a movie together. Earth Girls Are Easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and they knew each other from the stand-up circuit. Yeah. Because if you watch any of the early Jim Carrey stand-up, yeah, he is like we said before on, on an earlier episode. He is one of, if not the most physical comedian, at least out there today, if not ever. Yeah. I mean, he's the stuff that he can contort his face and his body into, yeah. Yeah. and that's just something when you're going to do a sketch show, you mm-hmm. got to have that. But think about Jim at the time. Jim was probably one of the more established actors to be put on in Living For Color sure. because at that point, Jim was uh, an impressionist. He had been on Vegas. He had been on the Tonight Show. He'd been around. Yeah, he'd been around. He'd been he'd done movies. He actually starred in a couple movies. He had his own series for a little bit, The Duck Factory. <laughs> I yeah, forgot yeah. all about that. Yeah, the, uh, for those of you who don't know, the Duck Factory was a. I think it, I think it lasted maybe two or three episodes. YouTube it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Jim Carrey plays this cartoonist at a at a cartoon company. He creates this like popular character, and it's pretty much just the misadventures of him and the staff. That's pretty much the Duck yeah. Factory. But yeah, he done that. He also did a movie Once Bitten. The vampire movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was the lead guy in What's yeah, Bitten. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like this I always like, forget that was first. Exactly. He's this uh, virgin guy in L.A. named Mark. 
trying to get laid. Of course, you know, eighties comedy. Got And then he ends yeah. up with a vampire. Uh, yeah, and, and was, hilarity was, ensues. Was, what's the name? Lauren Hutton was a vampire. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Actually, one of my favorite scenes in that movie, and it's kind of fucked up but funny. Like him and his girlfriend are like at makeout point. Or some shit like that. Yeah. And the girlfriend throughout the whole movie is being super prudish. Like, uh, like I want it to be special. I want this and I want that. He's like, come on, let's just do this. Like, And she's like, all you want me, is, want me for is for sex. And then they have this big argument. She leaves. And, like, he's stuck in Makeout Point. And then you look around, all the cars in Makeout Point, everybody in the car is getting it in except him. Yep. And he's just sitting there like, oh, my God. And he's just, all the cars just, ah, ah. And it's it's, it's all, over the all, top. All the, uh, all the, the windows top. are steamed up and yep. shit. It's so fucking funny. But fucked up, though. <laughs> but, uh, like I said, he meets this vampire chick. Uh, he gets seduced by her and bitten in a weird area, too, like his inner thigh. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, what happens is the vampire chick has to uh, suck his blood three times for some reason to sustain her immortality. Before a certain time frame, or she'll die, or some shit like that. But like while it's happening, he slowly is becoming a vampire. vampire yeah. yeah, and then there's the great little dance sequence. Of course, it's eighties. Yeah, you have to have dancing. <laughs> it's not an eighties movie if nobody dances. It is like to the song like hands off. He lost him. And Jim Carrey's doing like fucking like Michael Jackson shit, and like dressed as a vampire. It's great. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's really great stuff. But like I said, going back to that, uh, he did another movie, Earth Girls Are Easy, with uh, Damon. Uh, himself and Jeff Goldblum as aliens, yeah, furry aliens who uh, who end up in it's freakish who end up in Southern California and they land in the swimming pool of Gina Davis, who I believe was actually <laughs> married or was like engaged to Jeff Goldblum at the time. Sounds about right. Yeah, and it, but the movie was actually written and uh, I think really uh, was a starring vehicle for Julie Brown. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, Julie, uh, just at, just asked Julie or something like that. She was on something M- like that. She was on MTV, yeah. But actually, there's something about her a little bit later too. But uh, yeah, 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 it was it was kind of her movie. They would do like silly songs and it's comedy, but it was moderately successful. But like I said, because of that relationship, him and Jim <laughs> were good friends. Jim came in audition, did his did his Jim Carrey shit. Now initially, they were actually not going to pick Jim. Because he had a certain like amount of like in terms of pay that he yeah. wanted. Well, I mean, he, you know, it's, it's like anything else. The economics can come in and start to fuck everything up pretty quick. And the really messed up thing about the whole Hollywood setup, whenever you take a gig, you, your agent they've got an incentive. You've got an incentive to make sure that it's at least at a minimum what you got the last time, mm-hmm. unless you have some sort of ownership. So the way they always get around it, it's like you have a piece of it as a producer, whatever the back end is. That's why mm-hmm. some. I mean, like from what I understand, Brad Pitt actually produces. But you might see, you know, somebody else, I don't know, pick a name, uh, has a producing credit. They do that so they can get paid. Yeah. So in terms of that, uh, Jim almost didn't get picked for a living color. And they actually had a backup for him just in case. And you know what the backup was? No, I never found that out. Thomas Hayden Church. Seriously? Yeah. He was the backup just in case Jim Carrey wouldn't go down. There's no way I could see Fire Marshal Bill or uh, the the Reverend Dr. uh, Carl Pythos. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't see any of that. The mechanic dude from Wings could have been the replacement for Jim Carrey. And look, he's not a bad actor, but it's just you can't can't replace that. It's two different animals. Two different animals. And actually reading in terms of like uh, he did auditions in L.A. for different comedians. And other than Jim Carrey, the one white comedian that got closest to being cast was Adam Sandler. Yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah. Because then, it was it was just a couple of what, a yeah. couple couple years later he ends up yeah. SNL. Same thing, Sh- Schneider audition and David Spade audition. Actually, yep. David Spade um 
actually auditioned. He thought he he thought he was had it in the bag, but then he found out Jim Carrey yeah. auditioned too. He's like, "Fuck!" <laughs> like, everybody, no, because like, he said I had a gig in Hawaii to do stand up, and I actually missed it for that shit. Like, yeah, God exactly. Damn it. God damn it! But yeah, yeah, like I said, some heavy hitters auditioned for it in Living Color before it became a big thing. Well, and then you got you got to add into it. Uh, we got to do Martin. Martin yeah. Lawrence. Yeah, Martin Lawrence also auditioned for Living Color, but the thing about Keenan kept saying like, Martin is funny, but he's not ready. He wanted like the all around package in terms of the show. He wanted he Chris, wanted Chris yeah. Rock was there too. Same thing. He wanted performers who could do everything. He wanted them guys who could do impressions, sing, dance. You know, he wanted the overall get down. They wanted, he wanted a triple threat. Yes, he did. And of those guys, like I said, Chris Rock and uh, Martin Lawrence, he picked Tommy Davidson. And Tommy Davidson, of course, is a phenomenal actor. High oh. energy, high energy on top of high energy, and he's been like that basically his entire career. He's still like that now. He's like almost fifty, sixty years old. He's yeah. still like that high, high wired. He was a huge comedian at the time. Actually, at the time, Tommy had did a pilot for CBS for a Coming to America TV show. Oh yeah, yeah. He was supposed to be playing the brother of Eddie Murphy's character. And the only character from the actual movie that made it to the TV show was, uh, what's his name? Oha, the big dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's your queen. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, she was yeah. Like, he was like his handler in America. Which would make sense. Yeah, exactly. Especially after all the hijinks that Eddie and Arsenio got into. Exactly. So Tommy was kind of feeling himself at the time. He had a deal with CBS and all this other stuff. So he was like... Well, you, you know about him getting turned down by SNL, right? Yes. So the, the messed up thing on the SNL one, so Tommy, Tommy's claim, and I've actually got it as a quote so I don't mess it up, he says that uh, when he, he auditioned, uh, he met with Lauren Michaels uh, about the spot, and supposedly what, what he said was, um, I don't want a black comedian, Eddie Murphy was a mistake, I don't want a person that stands out, um, and so Tommy says, you know, I'm confused, he's like, I've been black my whole life, like... I can't just unzip this. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Now, to be fair, uh, the the handlers over at NBC, they they swear to God to this day, never happened, didn't happen. But I mean, Shit. I'm this are this uh, uh, quote that I'm reading from. This is from last year. Yeah. This is during the 25th anniversary of uh, <laughs> In Living Color. Mm-hmm. Tommy's still a little bit pissed about it, as you would be if that actually happened. So, actually, I think this will be 30 this year. Uh, was it was it 30 this year? 30. Uh, 94 is when it ended. 94 is when it ended, but when it debuted in nine, in officially oh, see, debuted I was in going, I think they're doing from when it ended. Okay, This okay, one. They, they, they were calling it the 25th. I got you. Uh, anniversary of the end. But in, at mm-hmm. any rate, um, I mean, you know, and it it, it doesn't, it, it kind of almost passes the smell test when you think about it. Yeah. Because look at what happened to Damon. Yeah. Because Damon was on the show, and he mm-hmm. was forced to be background. Yeah, exactly. And that guy's got, I mean, look, like we talked about before with SNL. It ebbs and flows in terms of the talent, the breakout, how good or bad it is from one season to the next. Mm-hmm. They have also ran seasons, and then they have seasons where you go, holy shit, look at all that power, look what they're doing, look at all this stuff. Yeah. The time when Damon was on there, it's more of an also ran. Yes. There wasn't a hell of a lot happening that makes you go, oh my God, did you see? And you could have had Damon. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there may be some credence to that. I, I, you'd hope it's not, but you never know. But like, if you look at SNL overall in terms of like, like the ones that have broken out, they usually break out after they leave SNL. Well, no, but I mean, if you roll it, if you roll it back, like when when Adam Sandler was still on, when no, Chris Farley was still on, I mean, those guys. Yeah, I'm talking about specifically black comedians. Oh, 100. percent Yeah, 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 and that's what I was saying. So, I mean, Tommy, you know, looks like he's got a point. Sadly enough. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so that happened. They picked Tommy Davidson. Everything worked out. Next pick, David Allen Greer. Mm-hmm. Another great actor. Oh, who fantastic. Been, been around forever. Actually, the funny enough, the first thing I ever saw him in. 
was not in Living Color. It was actually <laughs> Amazon Women on the Moon, the John, oh, really? the John Landis movie. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. He played uh, Don No Soul Simmons. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he played, pretty much he was, like, this, like, generic, rhythmless black guy who was, like, singing all these, like, like standards and shit. Like, fucking, he's, like, singing, like, uh, instead of singing, like, soul ballads, he's singing, like, tie a yellow ribbon around me. <laughs> <laughs> shit like that. Or, like, Three Dog Night and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they have another CD. Uh, yeah, the CD is, like, the best of Don No Soul Simmons. And then they have another CD, Don Simmons Down and Funky. And he's, like, singing, like, like he's singing Three Dog Night, Joy to the World. <laughs> That's him being down and funky. Jeez. And, you know, you see, like, a list of the songs. I think one of them like the Ballad of the Green Beret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just some ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. songs. And then at the end of the movie, he's like, uh, he's throughout the movie, but at the end of the movie, he does like this little merengue dance, like uh, Blame It on the Bossa Nova. <laughs> it's funny. But, uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, David was in that, and David had been around for a minute. He's another one of those journeyman black actors. Uh, we mentioned before uh, on our last show, uh, he was on A Different World. Yep. As a professor, uh, David at that time was trying to get into that whole, you know, nice black doctor on a medical show. Type, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. T- that type groove. So something that would be a, a little less stress, and you could just go in and do it. Exactly. And he auditioned for In Living Color. He was like, you didn't think he wouldn't get it because, like, just like a lot of the people that we have on the list, he didn't have characters. He, yep. he wasn't from that background, so you didn't think he got it, but he actually did, and he turned it down. See, I didn't. I didn't know he turned it down. He, he turned it down, and then he went to New York to do some other thing, and then he actually the person that brought him back was Kim Wayans. She pretty much called okay. him and pretty much talked. She talked to him. He he, uh, he did. They did a thing recently at the Tribeca Film Festival. Yeah, this yeah. was last year for the twenty fifth. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So he talks. To, he talks about Kim that like, called him like it was an intervention. David, you need to do this. This is the best opportunity for you. And then he said. <laughs> He, he, he could re- relent to this say okay I'll do this and she was right and it was the best decision he ever made oh yeah definitely the best decision he ever made and uh, after that since we talked about Kim Wayans Kim Wayans yeah Kim Wayans is another one who had been around for a little bit and she like uh, did little bit parts here and there like I said she was uh, extra in the Robert Townsend Partners in Crime Get Down you can see her at the beginning of, of Eddie Murphy Raw oh yeah 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 it's one of the fans talking about like Ooh, uh, what's your favorite Eddie Murphy movie I think her, I think her answer was 48 Hours <laughs> And, that's, a, uh, that's a solid one. And also, you see her in a crowd uh, when Damon is doing stand-up, also on Partners in Crime. And uh, she, like I said, she had a recurring role on A Different World as uh, one of the students at Hillman that stayed in the same building as Denise Huxtable and Whitley Gilbert and all those other characters. And uh, Kim, like I said, he like Kim was always like one of those great young female actresses. I think uh, the one that really got her notice was in uh, I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, which is like the bad uh, yeah. singer. And everybody's like, uh, they have the joke in the movie, like, who is that? Uh, that's the director's sister. <laughs> <laughs> and then Keenan's like, because huh. <laughs> she's like, she's like doing this horrible rendition of like when the Saints go marching in. It's like taking forever. And and I will say, without naming specific movies or TV shows that I've worked on, that shit happens all the fucking time, <laughs> where somebody's got a part because they're related to somebody. Yeah. And and unfortunately, it's almost never something that you can cut and throw away. It's still in some yeah, exactly in the damn final product. Yeah. And another and a couple of the uh, other cast members uh, who are actually picked from the L.A. Uh, well, another one from the L.A. Uh, trials was uh, Kim Coles. Mm-hmm. Now, Kim Coles was mainly known as a stand-up at the time. She was pretty much a very very pretty girl. 
Um, she was well known for that. She didn't really have a lot of credits to her name at the time, but she was a, she was a, a budding stand-up comedian, and they picked her from that. She was pretty, so they picked her. Um, uh, the other two, Takia Crystal Kima and Kelly Caulfield, are improv actresses from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they same thing. They didn't have any characters. They didn't really have any, uh, you know, like impressions or anything of that sort. Uh, they were just main, they just pretty much uh, straightforward actresses. They went in and did it. They did a great job. They both got picked. And actually, uh, Takiya's audition, you can actually see on In Living Color. Hmm. In the early season, she does a skit called Black World, where she plays a little girl, and she actually wrote it herself. Uh, she plays this little girl who's like in a basement, imagining what, you know, what the world would be like if black people ran the world that kind of thing and like she's like hey this is gonna be it's gonna be like this and it's like that and then like her favorite celebrities are like in the government and shit mm-hmm. like that you know and it's really sweet really sweet little thing and I can see why you picked it because she was she was very sweet in that particular skit you know what's crazy um, one of the ones that I saw who's set, she, she probably took longer to break out than anybody else but um, I saw who was uh, uh, an audition that didn't make it was Margaret Cho yeah that's she actually auditioned way back in the day, and I mean, probably what the last five, ten years, mm-hmm. she finally started getting some notoriety, making it with her stand-up specials, and she's she's killing it now. Exactly, she uh, she is she's dope now. And uh, Susie Iceman was another one that uh, Susie Iceman, yeah, okay, yeah, she's another one that auditioned for a Living Color didn't make it, but anyway, they got the uh, cast down. The Wayans family, uh, Keenan, Damon, and Kim, mm-hmm. David Allen Greer, Tommy Davidson, Kim Coles, Takiya Crystal Kima, and Kelly Caulfield. That was the original cast of A Living Color. Now, in terms of uh, Keenan's vision for the show, he wanted it to be an old school variety show. He was thinking more along the lines of like the Jackie Gleason show. Yeah. So instead of a band, he has a DJ. And instead of the June Taylor dancers, he's got the, the Fly, Fly Girls. Girls. And the Fly Girls were meant to represent, you know, the hot girls at the time, the B girls that were in the clubs, you know what I'm saying, dressing funky, doing crazy moves and shit in the dance floor. And um, for the uh, pilot show, the original choreographers for the Fly Girls uh, were uh, UFC House Party, right? Yeah. Uh, the two main girls in House Party, AJ Johnson and Tisha Campbell, were yep. the original choreographers for the Fly Girls. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, you, see, you can see it in the pilot episodes, a lot of the moves that the Fly Girls do in the pilot, you can see Tisha and AJ do in House, house Party, party. with yeah. Kid and Play. You know what I'm saying? Which is crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's really. This is like the part of like the geeking out like this that I like yeah. is when you can make those connections because it's almost like mm-hmm. it's almost like we're actually making Last Action Hero work better <laughs> than it actually did as a movie because we're able to like play yeah. around the cinema world and yeah. television world yeah. and make these connections. We're like, oh, so this person went from that, and then you yes. can kind of create your own little narrative and just. Geek the fuck out and have some fun with it. It is so crazy that you think about it. And actually, I think Keenan dated AJ just for a little bit. I would be surprised if he didn't date every fly girl for a little bit. No, but specifically AJ Johnson. Well, what I'm saying is yeah, yeah, he was yeah. single while he was running the show. Yes, he was, exactly. So. And he was he was the hottest guy in television yeah. for those five years. Yeah. Now, I remember they had a list of the original skits for the first show. Of the three, uh, pretty much the main ones that a lot of people remember... Men on Film, was in the <laughs> which is one show. of my favorites. Yeah, The Wrath of Farrakhan, yep. which we're going to get into, and The Homeboy Shopping Network. Those are among the three original skits. Now, that's when it comes into like a little bit of the network interference. Now, initially, they did the pilot, but uh, one particular Fox executive, Peter Charon, 
well, actually yeah. wanted him to take those particular skits out because he was worried about the backlash behind them. Right. Um, it, he said he, want, he wanted him to take them out the first episode, but... The, what's, the what's, idea what's, was they could recycle it in later, yeah, but like, they wanted to pull. They wanted to do a softer opening because mm-hmm. they still weren't sure how this was going to play, and you know the FCC and yeah. sense they didn't know, and so they they started getting gun shy as often happens. But Keenan was like, "Fuck that! I want to let people know what it is from the get. I want to mm-hmm. go in guns a blazing. If it make it, great. If I don't, all well. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. But I got to let people know what it is from the get." And they were nervous, and particularly Barry Dill, uh, Barry Diller, uh, executive mm-hmm. for Fox, was very nervous about it. But then, the reassuring thing that Keenan did was uh, invite Barry Diller down to a taping of the pilot, particularly for the skit Men on Film. Well, there, there was actually two things to it. So, so yeah. that helped to a certain extent. But yeah. when the pilot got finished, they mm-hmm. actually shelved it for six months. Yeah. Because everyone was scared shitless of it. So yeah. I, I'm blanking on the executive's name, but there was an executive. Barry Diller. Uh, no, no, it was a different executive. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it might have been Diller as well, but I think it was a different executive. Actually um, leaked it, I think if I remember right, it was to Details Magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so that that way they could you know, basically get an outside perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sent it over. They, they read it. They thought it was great. They wrote up this great killer piece on it. Yeah. But you're right. Diller was still freaked out specifically about men on film because mm-hmm. I mean, you got to remember, too. Mm-hmm. Was there even a gay character on TV at this point? Not really, no. I mean, this is way before, uh, what, what was that show that everyone likes? The uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? No, 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 no. It was the, it was the, uh, the sitcom from the 90s. Which one? Oh, shit, I can't remember. I mean, no, but it was the only... The sitcom from the... No, no, but it was... what you just said to me. The sitcom from the 90s. It was the only one that had a gay character in a lead role. Will and Grace? Will and Grace. Okay. Yeah, this is way before Will and Grace. So what? I, anyway, what I was saying was mm-hmm. that was what he was scared shitless of. Mm-hmm. But he saw what happened mm-hmm. in that rehearsal because they made him watch a rehearsal mm-hmm. and they just blew the roof off the place. Everyone mm-hmm. loved it. They were stomping their feet. feet. They are laughing their asses yes. off. Mm-hmm. That's where you get one of my favorites. Three snaps and a Z formation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the original one just playing two snaps up. Yeah, but, I know. But once you got to yeah, the three snaps, that's, yeah. when it, that's when it stuck for me. Which we want to get into a little bit later. But like, uh, like I said, they did the pilot. They shelved it for about a year and all the other actors were yeah, like, it, took, it took them a total year. Six yeah. six months, then they yeah. finally got a push in, and then they go, okay, fine, we we we're just gonna have to mm-hmm. man up as it were and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. And then uh finally it actually debuted, you know what I'm saying, um in nineteen ninety on on Fox, uh got huge ratings. Now initially, like I said, AJ Johnson and Tisha Campbell were the original for choreographers but they were working actresses as well they didn't want to just be stuck doing this show so they kind of did their own thing so their next uh the person that came in after them would be the actually the fly girl choreographer up until probably like the last season of the show rosie perez rosie perez and at the time yeah she couldn't even pronounce uh perrier perrier i can't pronounce it exactly because keenan yeah yeah because keenan wanted the fly girls to be a mix of hip-hop dancing and classical dance and And he got that with rosie yeah rosie pretty much was like mainly known at that time she was a she was a she was a soul train dancer Mm -hmm. you actually look at some old clips from like 88 89 you see rosie yeah it's crazy like she's doing the whole shit from and then of course the main thing that really got out there the opening sequence of do the right thing where she's doing the the, the dancing which we got to come back to in a second do the right thing exactly yeah there's a couple (laughs) people in do the right thing but yeah rosa perez really got popular from do the right thing and that style of dancing, like the just the angry yeah. hip hop dancing, that and, aggressive and, style, and Keenan yeah. wanted that. She became the uh, choreographer for the Fly Girls, so yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. And um, now, in terms of the actual character development, we're gonna get a little bit more into that. I got the whole, I got different skits we can go by. 
mm-hmm. which ones, whatever. I want to go, go into well, that a bit one, one quick note as we're talking about, since we're starting to lean towards that, that direction. Yeah. Jim Carrey's on record as saying at the time they mm-hmm. were just warped out of their minds. Yeah. They, they had, um, they, they basically were told by Keenan when they sat down in the writer's room, there's no such thing as a boundary. He said, I, I don't want you just out of the box. I want to take you out of the box and across the yard. Exactly. You guys are pretty much out of the box already. We're going to the other side of the yard. We're going to get crazy with this. Yeah. And a couple of sketches that the Jim Carrey said that they uh, they pitched that never made a tear, mm-hmm. that just the concept alone is enough to make you just about snort laughing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was Make a Death Wish Foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's about a dead kid who um, yeah. posthumously wishes to go to an amusement park. Yeah. Um, that one didn't make the air, but one of the funny things about it was the, it's the face. Fire, it's the fire marshal bill face. It's the fire marshal bill, bill face. face. Exactly. That yeah. was what he came up with for it. And the other one that's, that was definitely way too far ahead of its time mm-hmm. was an abortion rally ventriloquist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, which, I mean, again, mm-hmm. say that, like, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, fucking Lewis Black. Yeah. He's got this whole bit about... He loves saying to a room full of people the word abortion because you can hear every anus in the place snap shut. And that's in 2019. <laughs> Imagine 1990, 1991. You and I are just little kids in elementary school. Could you imagine doing abortion rally ventriloquist yeah, sketch yeah. on network television back in the day? Jesus oh Christ. my God, people would have lost their minds. Mm-hmm. Okay, now in terms of some other actors that actually auditioned for a living color, actually one of them that got all di- that actually got offered the show but turned it down, John Leguizamo. Yeah, well, and then you you know why, right? Yeah, because he had his own thing. At well, the no, time. they so wh- yeah. what he's gone on record as saying mm-hmm. is. Basically, his representation, his guys at the time were mm-hmm. pumping him up because he's doing big. His career's really catching fire at mm-hmm. that time. They're saying, hey, you're going to get your own sketch show. He did, and it, and it was yeah. it was going to be called um, Bugging Out, if no, I remember no, correctly. No, 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 House of Bugging. Oh, House of Bugging. That's yeah. what it was going to be called. Yeah. And that's actually what later ended up becoming Mad TV. Exactly. So... We almost we almost ended up with House of Bugging, but <laughs> thankfully we went uh, in living color. I, re- I remember watching a couple of episodes of House of Bugging. Uh, it was okay, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't in living color. No, it was not, not even li- close. It was not a living color. And as much color. as I love Mad TV and yep. some of the sketches and characters, it's still not mm-hmm. in living color. And the thing with Keenan was Keenan was very adamant with the cast. He was like a taskmaster with the cast. You know what I'm saying? He's like, hey, I want you to be able to come up with your own characters. I want you to like pitch them to me. He was like, he was like, very yeah. I mean, all all of the actors were in the writers' room. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, no, nobody who was on the show was just waiting for sides. They were all involved. And what he would do is when they would go between seasons, he'd be like, okay, I want you to go out and I want you to bring me back three characters. Each and every one of you, I want you to bring me back three characters. I want you to go out there, observe life, and bring me back three characters. And I want, to, I want you to pitch them to me, and we'll see what works and what yep. doesn't. You know what I'm saying? And he did that, like, every season with those guys. Well, and, I mean, it, it, it definitely at times, it definitely added stress and strain to their relationship. In fact... Uh, apparently, there was one time where uh, Jim Carrey felt like he was just getting beat to hell in the writer's room mm-hmm. by Keenan. Yeah. So he got up on his chair and yeah. he started reading a sketch out of his ass. Yes. Which, the, of course, the, anyone the, who's the, watched Ace Ventura. Sure, the Ace Ventura thing. But yeah. that's where it came from. It was him pissed off at Keenan there's in a the gr- middle of the writer's there, room. There's a great little sidebar in the book they have about Living Color where Keenan got hot. There actually was almost a physical confrontation between Jim Carrey and Keenan Ivory Wayans. And to everybody's surprise, Jim was like, bring it. Yeah. No, yeah. he's he's yeah. crazy when it comes to that. In fact, they they it, it ended up on the show. If you watch, yeah. uh, go back through a lot of the episodes, you'll see in some of the later seasons, 
Jim Carrey was so pissed at Keenan yeah. that he'd come out during Keenan's sketches yeah. and he would be wearing sunglasses, dark sunglasses. He couldn't see his eyes just to fuck it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, actually, mm-hmm. we'll, get to, we'll get to season five. You'll mm-hmm. see the black sunglasses thing. It mm-hmm. kind of became a thing. Yes, it did. Uh, but like I said, it ran for many, many years. Like I, I, got, I, I, got I, I, five I, solid. Well, yeah, four I, solid. Yeah. Five total. I want to really save the sketches yeah. for like for the, but I really want to talk about the running of the show itself. Like it got very very popular. One part of a uh, pop culture that a lot of people don't really realize about Living Color that it helped really helped to contribute to the Super Bowl halftime show. Yes, it did. Exactly. Uh, and Living Color ran a Super Bowl halftime. They had like a little uh, sketch comedy event that happened during one of the Super Bowls. And it was such a big draw that it took away from the Super Bowl halftime show. Well, what yeah. they did, because that I think this was '91, if I remember correct, mm-hmm. that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically set up a half-hour live show yeah. to go up against the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, I mean, if you, if you grew up watching football or any of that stuff, mm-hmm. that was a time where you know maybe you'd have the the uh, ribbon dancers, you'd have a marching band, maybe the guy who's like you know the the. Was it the Nancy or the Natalie Grace or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. One of those Christian singers would come out and sing a song or something. I actually have the That's ex- about. I actually have the exact thing that they Or had. Natalie Grant. But yeah. at any rate, yeah. they decided, okay, we're going to do <laughs> a live sketch show. And mm-hmm. in particular, mm-hmm. they took the men on film. Yeah. And they did a men on football bit. Yes, they did. And it blew the ratings off the roof for Fox. Yeah. And it changed pop culture, like you said, for the yeah. rest of all eternity. It caused 20 to 25 million people to switch from the Super Bowl to Fox to watch the 11 Color Halftime Show. And what they had for the Halftime Show, I actually have that, is called Winter Magic. It was a skating performance with Brian Bortano and Dorothy Hamill, <laughs> a song from Gloria Estefan, and that, pretty much all it was, it was pretty much a promotion for the Winter Olympics. Yeah. During the Super Bowl. And the, like, nobody's going to watch this shit. Well, and what was great about their show, mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of one of the only times, if I, I remember correctly, where anyone's put on anything live against the Super Bowl. Actually, um, I could, I could I tell you another thing that came on live during the, uh, the WWE the, the oh, WWF, yeah, yeah, yeah. WWF in like 1999, I believe. They but they're, did, they're following in Keenan's footsteps. Yeah, they did a halftime heat show, and it was great. It was actually with, with The Rock. The yeah. Rock was the champion at the time, and they had an empty arena match uh, with The Rock and uh, Mick Foley, Mankind, and it was probably one of my favorite matches of all time because it was a great match, and they had a live crowd. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and, and it was actually on USA. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that that one got some huge ratings too. So there, there are other people that have done things during the Super Bowl, but that's but other, other, other than yeah, other than the living color. That's the one thing I remember is uh, WWE halftime heat. Yeah, for sure. One well, and what was crazy was um, be, because again they're scared shitless of what's going on with the men in football. They're again playing to that uh, kind of gay stereotype that they have going on with the men in football characters, Damon Wayans and everything. There's a ton of sexual innuendo in that one and those guys have a tendency to a certain extent to improv mm-hmm. they, they actually had I'm blanking on which exec but they had an exec there with the 60 second dump button mm-hmm. just sweating bullets the whole 30 minutes and the exact thing that got him in trouble for the men on football thing they made two jokes uh, implying that both Richard Gere and Carl Lewis were gay yeah and of course uh, representatives for both did not like that and they actually threatened to sue and live in color 
And uh, they actually, actually, if you watch, she can threaten to sue anyone. It's free if it's just a threat. If you happen to watch like subsequent broadcasts of that particular <laughs> halftime show, they, they show it on the syndication block for Living Color, but the actual, <laughs> the actual live show. I'm sorry, AJ's no, cut. I'm, <laughs> AJ's I'm, I'm laughing because I watched it again today. Because you can actually find the, the edited the, the, version the on YouTube. All, it's on YouTube. It is yeah. so funny. And look, the joke isn't even really that bad. Yeah. And here's the thing too. This is where again, where it's kind of funny the way culture shifts and changes mm-hmm. if they did that shit today mm-hmm. some people might be upset with them because you're playing in the gay stereotypes or whatever mm-hmm. but neither one of those guys would ever sue them because then they'd flip around and be like well what's wrong with being gay yeah <laughs> <laughs> right so it's just it's funny it's like it's just crazy the way this shit shifts and changes and you have mm-hmm. to give it to them because mm-hmm. again even though they're having fun they're, they're making jokes and all that shit yeah it wasn't at all a really negative portrayal no, of, of gay people. It wasn't anything to be scary of. It was making it more, you know, acceptable. Yeah. But one thing we need to go into is that that actual thing happened during, I believe, the third season of A Living Color, which was a turnaround season for the show. Yep. Now, like I said, we already mentioned uh, the original cast. Kim Coles actually was let go after the first season, like like towards yeah. the end of the first season. She wasn't really making it on the show. She went on to have her own success, but you know, kudos to her. Now, in the third season, they had a switch up. They uh, cast some more people. Yep. Uh, one particular, or well, two particular people that made their debut in the third season premiere of In Living Color. One was a new fly girl, a girl from the Bronx named Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. And the other one... Is she still around? Uh, yeah, I think she's doing all right. Okay. Yeah. And another one, apparently some country bumpkin from Texas named Jamie Foxx. You know, I heard that was a made-up name. Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm actually getting. I'm gonna get into that a little. Which bit is later. actually fantastic as a story. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get into that a little bit later. But okay. yeah, Jamie Foxx and Jennifer Lopez both made their debut during the third season of *A Living Color*. Also, uh, Sean Wayans, who was initially the show's DJ, mm-hmm. uh, became a full-fledged cast member in the third season. And that's when we finally got some really good. That that was that was when we were finally starting to lean towards some more money. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah. So they uh, they came in in third season. The show was doing very successful. Now going into the fourth season, Keenan started having some issues with mm-hmm. the executives at uh, Fox. Now during the fourth season, Fox began showing episodes of previous seasons. Without the permission they, of they, Keenan. They yeah. started rerunning it. And I yeah. mean, technically speaking, the way the deal was written, and this is where it sucks for him, yeah. they could do that. But it was a problem because you're devaluing it. Because what you yes. got to do in television syndication, mm-hmm. you do everything's a one-off. It's, a, it's an, an original run. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, we're talking old school. It's nowhere near the same now with everything being streamed and all that shit. But you do everything as a one-off with the goal to get to 100 episodes. Because once yes. you hit 100, now you can go into syndication. That's what you start selling to other providers overseas, all that other stuff, and that's when it's valuable. And particularly with comedy more than anything, mm-hmm. the less it's seen, the better. Because anything, it doesn't matter what it is, it's mm-hmm. less funny the second time. It's less funny the third time. Yeah, he actually got to the point where Keenan was so pissed off at them, he actually hit a tape of a new show in the ceilings of his office so, so they, they couldn't, couldn't get, get to it. it. Yeah. And, and again, Fox, they're just now trying to figure out who the hell and what they got. They're running the hell out of the only thing that's been successful that's original programming. Exactly. And it got to the point where Keenan just kind of threw up his hands and said, enough is enough. And he yep. left the set, never came back. Now, the actual the actual funny thing about it is you can see the day that Keenan Ivory Wayans left on The Living Color. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can feel it. And funny enough, it's a Christmas episode. Uh, towards the... Uh, Pretty much the Christmas episode of the fourth season, 
you can see uh, there's a little special thing they had at the very end where the Fly Girls were like all wishing uh, their friends and family a Merry Christmas. Jim Carrey wished his friends Merry Christmas. And Jamie Foxx sang a rendition of Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. Uh, now, what you see in the background is the rest of the cast wearing glasses and black hats. Everyone's wearing dark glasses. That's in, that comeback. In protest because that was the day that Keenan left the show. Yep. The exact day of the Keenan it happened to be the Christmas episode. And you can see it on YouTube. Like For years, it always weirded me out. I thought it was like a religious thing. Yeah. For years. But well, yeah. in a way, it kind of was. I mean, he was yeah. their captain. Yes, he was. And then he left the show, and they're like, no, we're not going to participate in this. This is not fair. This is not cool. Yep. And, yeah, the rest of the cast is in the back. Didn't do nothing. Didn't partake. They just stood in protest, and it's like so. It's so crazy to watch too. It's like fucking like it's this happy thing in front of them, and all these people in the back just like fuck this shit. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, man. Now for the uh, fifth and final season, because the the Wayans are pretty much done with the show, and also uh, I forgot to add a couple other people added were added to the show during the third and fourth seasons. Um, Allie Wentworth, yep, was a uh, white actress added to the show, and also. Marlon Wayans yep. made his debut in the fourth season. He only did one season of In Living Color. He was pretty prominent, though. And uh, the other one was an Asian actor named Steve Park. He only did one, episode, only did one season, too. He only did the third season. Uh, so they, they came in, and then, uh, like I said, during the fifth and final season, there was a massive overhaul. All the Wayans were gone. Well, not, not all the Wayans. No, all of them were gone. No, the because fourth, yeah. Sean and um, uh, and Marlon, if I remember correctly, they actually were contractually obligated oh, to yeah, participate yeah. through the fifth year. Yeah, Damon, Damon was like, "Fuck this, I'm out." Because yeah. he could, he had enough juice, he could go. In fact, yeah. Jim Carrey <laughs> talks about it. He yeah. said he he contractually probably probably could have weaseled out of it, but. Mm-hmm. That's when he was starting. He was actually working nights with Odakirk yeah. on Ace Ventura yes. and doing the show during the day, and so he didn't really want to have a total upheaval, and so he just kept cruising. And actually, another thing, uh, Damon left the show during this actual third season as a full-time cast member. He left to you know go to what they thought was a superstar film career. And at that time, I think he just did the Last Boy Scout. Yeah, with uh, Bruce Willis, so that was a huge hit movie, and it's like Damon's on his way now. Like freaking, he's you know going to do yeah. Hollywood and shit. Um, didn't really work out that way. Uh, you know what? Though I, he, I did, gotta, he, he did great. I was gonna he, say he did great, but he. Wasn't, I mean, look, he he yeah. never he never hit the Eddie Murphy level. Never. But then, I mean, fuck, man, black, white, Asian, whatever. Who yeah. has? Yeah, exactly. It's but, a short list. But uh, we both agree on what his magnum opus is. Oh, 100 percent, major pain. Major pain. <laughs> that that and yeah. if you hadn't listened to earlier episodes, that was how we became friends. We were you sitting were. there quoting that movie to each other. For however long it took to smoke a cigar, I don't. I don't give a damn who you uh, who, uh, who you are, or who you think you are in terms of like uh, film people. Like if you want to go and say like, what is the ultimate Damon Wayans movie? Major that's pain. It. You will laugh Major your ass off. Yeah. It, it is phenomenal. Yeah, that's right. But like during the final season, like I said, mo- most of the Wayans were not involved in terms in terms of like creatively. Yeah. were not involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they just did they just did what they had to to fulfill their contract. So the skits, the shows skits themselves were no longer character driven and satirical. They were actually giving way to like cruder content, and they had a lot of celebrity guest appearances during the final season. They had like yeah. uh, well, they were trying to revive it, but yeah, they 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 but killed themselves. Here's a little list of some of the people that actually showed up during the final season. Uh, Barry Bonds, James Brown, Rodney Dangerfield, and that was a weird one too with Rodney Dangerfield because like they, uh, it was like yeah, a police, that is a weird one. It was a police skit. It was like around the time of the riots, the L.A. riots, and uh, they uh, is actually uh, cops were pulling over a car and they thought it was Rodney King, 
and they were going to beat his ass again. And funny enough, that's right. No, 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 for real. Part about it is the cops is going to pull him over to beat his ass. A black <laughs> is a uh, what was it? Jamie Foxx and David Allen Greer with the cops, and they're like, I'm going, I'm going to crack him, like whatever. And they get out of the car. It's Ronnie Dangerfield. He does his shtick, you know. The you know, I took I took my wife to a dog show. She won, you know. Yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is my story of my life. You know, no respect. I get no respect at all. You know, that's yeah. that's pretty much what it was. It pretty much him doing his act. I just having to have this background of the Rodney King thing. Uh, also, uh, Sherman Hemsley <laughs> did an episode. Yeah. Biz Marquis became like kind of like a recurring character. Yeah. Recurring actor on the show. He did a bunch of skits. Like a lot of them, a lot of times you just pretty much just hang around or whatever, like just being weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which works. It worked it worked well for him. Uh they brought on they brought on like uh hosts like Peter Marshall from like oh, the right. Hollywood yeah, Squares. Yeah, yeah. Ed O'Neill did one. Uh who else? Uh Chris Rock actually kind of became like a Almost like a part-time cast member during the final season. Yeah, yeah. So he was, it's he, kind of full circle for him in that way. Is that he? He became. He was in a lot of skits. He he actually was the lead in a bunch of skits on The Living Color. Kind of like he was almost like. This is not really a fair comparison overall, but like he was kind of like with Steve Martin was to early SNL. You know, like yeah. he was. He's on it so no, much. That's fair enough. He was on it so much that people thought he was a cast member when he actually wasn't. Right, right. He, so, never, he never, I mean, and at that point, you're really just kind of getting down into semantics and the business side of it. And then the other, and then it had like a lot of uh, big time uh, music stars who were on skits like uh, Johnny Gill, Tupac Shakur, yeah. Salt and Pepper. And then they had one show where they had pretty much had a bunch of NBA players. Shaq. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Shaq, Shaq did one. He actually did a rap on that. He did it when he was still rapping. Yeah. <laughs> With, uh, he should, he should what's bring that back. What's the name of his group? Fusnickens. <laughs> they should bring Shaq should get back into it. What's up, Doc? Can we <laughs> I think it's around the same time as Shaq food too. <laughs> yeah, he was real big during Shaq was real big during that time. Yeah, Shaq. And then they actually did one with just a bunch of like NBA players. That was his players. audition for Shazam, wasn't it? Might as well have been. <laughs> but they did another I one. With, they did another one with a bunch of NBA players. It was like John Starks, Patrick Ewing was yeah. the main one. And it was like, wow, yeah. I think Vladdy Divac. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it was so weird. But he had just a bunch of guest stars and shit. Yeah. And then, of course, eventually ratings went down. And they actually brought on a couple new cast members during the final season. Uh, the aforementioned Anne Marie Johnson, who was in a lot of the Robin Towns and stuff, she became a full cast member in the final season. And then they brought in a couple other comedians, a um, dude named Jay Leggett, a big white guy from uh, Chicago, and a lady named uh, Carol Rosenthal. She yep. became a cast member. And then they had another guy named Reggie McFadden who kind of became a part-time cast member on the show. And uh, also the, the last one was uh, Mark Wilmore, brother of Larry Wilmore. Yep. Yeah, he, he was actually right on the show for most of the years, and he became a cast member in the final season. But then, like I said, the show went off the air in 94, and uh, for years and years, the rest of the cast went on to do their own thing, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, but the last little note in terms of that, uh, the uh, attempted reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Around 2013, Keenan uh, thought, you know what? You should bring back and live in color. Like, there was a lot of rumblings about it because the show was. Well, you know, the, the, show, the show's done fantastic in syndication. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's, he's said on, on record multiple times that him and his siblings, they still talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a great time. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, anyone who's been involved in, in sketch comedy or improv comedy, yeah. it's, it's a different. Well, it's like we were talking about before why it makes sense that Eddie Murphy would be wanting to come back, right? Yeah. It's a completely different vibe. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of, of urgency and excitement around it mm-hmm. that you don't get in a feature film because mm-hmm. everything, you, it's live and you have to do it 
on whatever date it's scheduled for. So you're going to make it or yeah. break it. So the original intention was basically to have the old cast members and the new cast members come back. Like, uh, these have these new cast members be the anchor of the show, but have old cast members come on do their old characters, kind of like yeah. as guest stars and stuff like that. And uh, Keenan felt that the reason he didn't go forward with it is because he didn't feel that a full season's worth of material was possible with these actors. Because, like I said, it's no longer, this well, is the age of YouTube, so well, there's no longer the full, the full package anymore. Well, and the other thing, too, was Damon bowed out, and that was the final straw that, that pretty much killed is that Damon Wayans just said, hey, you know, I don't, that's, that's not my thing right now. He had other stuff going on. Basically, yeah. You know, before, before we move totally past this, though, a mm-hmm. couple of other things that were kind of interesting in the way this set up, mm-hmm. talking about all the totality of the frustration that eventually led to, to uh, Keenan saying, okay, enough's enough, I gotta go. Mm. Um, you know, one of the reasons they were rerunning the shows as much as they were, again, talking about Fox being a startup and everything, they were essentially using it not just to make sure that, you know, they essentially had their crown jewel out on full display for everyone, but they'd use it to launch other shows. Yeah. Because you, you have a certain amount of spillover going from one episode to whatever comes on next, right? I mean, that's why right now, uh, if anybody who still watches broadcast television, if you're watching Law and Order SVU, they're yeah. going to either bump it up in the beginning or the end with whatever the newest shit is they're trying to put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the other things I had here as notes that were driving them nuts was uh, they, you could never pin down the censors. Yeah, because I, they, I was, was, was going to get into that. Because yeah. you'd be in a position where mm-hmm. this is hilarious, this is great, this is awesome this week, and then I get some letters from somebody somewhere who was offended somehow, yeah. and so all of a sudden this week we can't do it. Yeah. And then eventually you cool off, and mm-hmm. then you could do it again. And so that kind of like ebb and flow, that, that fucks with the creative process, yeah. that screws with comedy in a way that you can't really get around. And one of the things that drove him the most nuts, uh, and I actually have a quote from him on this one, was, um, let's see, uh, <laughs> Fox brought in a black guy who they introduced to me as someone uh, who marched in the civil rights movement. And I was like, he's not the professor of the black race. And he said, I, I wouldn't even deal with him. <laughs> because yeah. except for the most part, it was just, you know, there was one white guy who was a censor. And then when they yeah. brought in the black dude, and we're trying mm-hmm. to be like, whoa, he's a civil rights guy. I was like, what does that mean to me? What does he know about comedy? Yeah, there's, like, a, yeah, there's another great story, particularly about the pilot, uh, where the, uh, Keenan was brought in before like the... Uh, like some executives in Fox, and they actually had some other guys who were like government types. Like he, yeah. could, he swore they were the FBI. He ne- he never actually found out who they were, but they were like uh, you know men in black looking types. You know, they had the glasses and the black suits and shit. And they sat Keenan down, and they, they discussed with him. They showed him the pilot, and then the thing that really got Keenan like weirded out was like he uh, the the people uh, asked for this particular focus group. They asked they weren't asked if the show was funny. They asked how the show made them feel. Yeah. And it was like, okay. And then they were asking Keenan some weird questions like, okay, so what exactly do you think this show is going to be? And Keenan's like, well, I think it's going to be cutting edge. I think it's going to be uh, revolutionary. And then they stopped him like, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean revolutionary? And then Keenan's like, no, no, not what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's going to be fresh. It's going to be innovative. That's what I mean in terms yeah. of revolutionary. <laughs> And yeah, so they were doing stuff like that. And also with the censors, uh, what they would do is because the fact that they would use a lot of slang that the censors were not aware of at the time, a lot of black slang. And um, well, there was the the the, the reggae. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Hema. Hema. I was going to get into that when yeah. we get to the skit. But yeah, Hema used a lot of Jamaican curse words that the they didn't know. The censors <laughs> didn't know, and so they got through. Yeah. And then they would say like little things, like uh, like I think the one uh, no, literally made me laugh. They talked about it the Tribeca tour. They were like, "Hey, uh, we'll do a skit, and we will purposely put in a stupid word, thinking it's like, um, but make, making a connotation that it's nasty." And then the censors would be like, 
uh, I, I don't want to do that. And then it would put in the actual word that, that they wanted you to use. Well, in fact, that was one of the things that uh, I think it was um, Tom Ruff, if I'm not mistaken, one of mm-hmm. the writers, original writers. Yeah. She was saying they would actually, they would write sketches they knew would get turned down mm-hmm. to distract them from the stuff they really wanted to do. Exactly. So they purposely do stuff that was over the line offensive that they knew for sure. So that yeah. way the censors could still feel like they were doing their job. Yeah. Because the censor's going to censor. I mean, that's what they got. And then they were doing one thing. It was like uh, the censor was in the room. They was reading some script. And it was like, uh, I forgot the exact word, but I'll just say scabble-dabble. Hey, are we going to give them a scabble-dabble? And they're like, yeah, yeah, scabble-dabble. And the censor's like, uh-uh, I don't, I don't like that. What's a, sca- what a scabble-dabble? Yeah. I, I don't think you should use that one. And they're like, okay, well, what about uh, if we use uh, toss my salad? Would that be cool? Well, you know, it's vegetarian. Because they wouldn't know. I should that be cool. And then they do it. And then they actually do this toss my salad shit. And then they get a letter. And Somebody then, did And the censor's like, why did y'all do this to me <laughs> and they would do that all oh, it's the time. like uh, it's like uh, what's his name with um, Felcher yeah because I, I look it up or don't <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> it's, yeah. it's fucked up but they were able to get away with a lot of shit back in the day because they just the people who were in charge of censoring weren't in yeah. the know enough to realize what they exactly. were letting through and I think uh, Takia Crystal Kima was like uh, she was talking about other, she was talking to other people who did uh, other shows or whatever and she's like you don't know your censor we know our center. Like he's he's always there. Yeah. He's always there. Like he's part of the family. He's more. He's on more of the skits than most he's, of the cast members. He's, he's at the rap party every week. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna actually get into some of the skits themselves and some, some of the stories sketches. behind it. Yeah. Some some great sketches. Now I, I got a lot of these in alphabetical order, so I'm gonna go ahead and start from the beginning. Uh, one skit that was a recurring one was uh, Al McAfee. <laughs> Mr. McAfee. <laughs> and it was David Allen Gray. It's pretty much a parody of uh, him as a. It's pretty much a parody of like Joe Clark from Lean on Me. Yeah. But completely inept. He's like uh, this principal with like a bad hip and then this fucked up like mega horn. Like, Mr. McAfee says this, Mr. McAfee says that. (laughs) And what he would do is he would like him up the good students and fuck them up. And while that's happening, all the bad students are doing like horrible shit. They were like doing graffiti, making fun of him. And they would always put like signs on his back and shit like that. Yeah. And, he, and he would always try to get like this, get with this one teacher who was always played by Kim Wayans. You know, like, hey, come on, like, this is some whatever. Like, you know, and he always had like a little stupid saying, let me tell you something about Mr. McAfee's speech on whatever. You know what I'm saying? It was really stupid little skit. Which is funny because, in, in some sort of ways, at least for me, again, talking about making connections that aren't technically there. Mm-hmm. It, now it reminds me of Mr. Mackey yes. on South Park. Yes. Let, let, I want to talk to you about something, okay? Oh, my God. All right, now, uh, dr- no. drugs are bad, no, okay? No, when that character first debuted, <laughs> that shit had me rolling. Dude, I it had still a, gets me. Because I had a teacher like Mr. Mackey, bro. Everybody drugs, did. Drugs are bad. Cause I, I'm, I'm saying they're bad because uh, they're bad. Because, uh, you know, drugs are bad. Okay. 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 <laughs> the okay shit. That's all we got. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right, so another character that he did was uh, Andrea Dice Clay. Oh, now, yeah. Kelly Caulfield, uh, who was the, son- the sole white actress on the initial show, uh, she was a great impressionist. Uh, she, was, she, she became a great impressionist really on the show. Like, uh, she had initial issues with the show because of the fact she was, like I said, she was a Chicago theater actress. And uh, what Kenan told her and Takia Crystal Kima and Kim Coles, but only the other two took it, was uh, there is no vanity in comedy. And For he, sure. And he basically cited specifically uh, Lucille Ball as an inspiration because, in fact, she was like, you know... Well, she, I mean, you, she's, the, she's the original for, for female comedians. Yeah, exactly. So, and, you, and, I mean, literally, if you look across the board, I mean, mm-hmm. doesn't matter when or where, mm-hmm. the best female comedians... They don't. They don't mind looking dumb or looking anything exactly. other than exactly. uh, you know perfect and vain, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like 
Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. We could do a Seinfeld episode at some point. Yeah. But when did Elaine ever really look like that hot except for maybe the one like one episode like mm-hmm. most of the time it's so physical it's so crazy yeah. and and that's the thing too about a show like in Living Color when you're mm-hmm. working with that much talent mm-hmm. male, female whatever mm-hmm. you have to step that game up and you have to just throw all preconceived notions of is this going to make me look foolish out the window yeah. and commit yeah so uh, getting back to Kelly Caulfield what her specialty was especially in the early stages was she would do female counterparts to popular raunchy comedians. So mm-hmm. she would do Andrea Dice Clay as a you know female version of Andrew, Andrew Dice Clay, Clay. Yep. and Samantha Kinison, a female <laughs> version of Sam Kinison. I, I like which the, was which yeah. I think I actually like better than Andrea Dice Clay, but that's just because yeah, yeah. Sam Kinison, oh my God, off the wall. Yeah, but I like Andrea Dice Clay because in fact she uh they did a love connection. Oh with, yeah, with, yeah, yeah, with yeah. Andrea Dice Clay. <laughs> and it was her dating Patrick Swayze. And like she was talking about, you know, having sex with him. And she was like, we should say like, last time I saw something like that, he had an eraser on the end of it, you know? <laughs> and like Jim Carrey was a, uh, Jim Carrey would pull double duty in that skit, remember? Because he was Chuck Wallery. Yep. And he was Patrick Swayze yep. on the screen. Like he's he like, look, I'm, I'm in great shape. He like, he's like yeah. being a ten, tender Patrick Swayze. I'm in great shape. You know, say I do karate. I mean, I'm practically a guy with these streaks and tips in my hair. <laughs> yeah. and like, I just want to really to treat her to a good time, you know, and take her dancing. You know, I'm really known for my dancing. Now. I mean, I was a star of dirty dancing, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You call that dancing? Like, you should see my dogs. <laughs> but, yeah, they went out again or whatever. And then, like I said, the Samantha Kennison one, the kicker with that one was when Sam Kennison actually came on the show yeah. and Sam and Samantha you know were a couple and they were just yelling at each other the entire time <laughs> and shit and then they had a kid too uh, which was, reminded me a lot which was, of which was uh, Sam Kinison too was the kid Well, and, it, and that whole sketch actually reminded me of like every time you saw uh, George's parents on <laughs> Seinfeld that was basically how it was. They were just like the older version of that. And she was yelling at the baby, yeah. you were a goddamn mistake. You were an accident. You were an accident. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sam was like, the only reason you're here is because one night I got so drunck I didn't know where I stuck my... my <laughs> yeah. yeah, they bleeped it out, but I'm pretty sure they said cock or whatever. Yeah. I'm sure Sam said that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no yeah. doubt in my mind. But that was a great skit. Another favorite of both of ours, Anton Jackson. Oh, yes. Damon Wayans is a drunk, filthy, fucking homeless dude <laughs> living in a cardboard box. Like, usually whenever you see the skit, he's always in the cardboard box. My favorite one of the Antons is the first one because he did, like, a home improvement show. This old box. Like, <laughs> but, like it was a parody of that shit. Uh, this, old this old house, house with yeah. uh, Bob Vila or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bob Vila. It, but it's, I, wa- I rewatched that today, and it's still as funny today as it was when I first Which saw it. Which is the progenitor of the uh, the Dave Chappelle crackhead character. Yeah. <laughs> PBS, the pavement broadcast system, probably presents this new at-home do-it-yourself show. Now, let me show you. It's like cardboard box. Let me show you. This is my house. Slash slash living room slash den slash bathroom slash library. <laughs> and what we're gonna do is we're gonna add a new wing to my home and add one cardboard box to another yeah. cardboard box. So let's get started, shall we? <laughs> so he's like, first thing you knew, you need your tools. He said, you need your screwdriver, uh, you need your uh your hammer, which is like an old shoe. Yeah. You need your uh power tools, which is like a like a egg beater, 
and you need your screwdriver, which is actually a screwdriver drink. <laughs> he takes a shot. Let me get that again real quick. <laughs> and he's like, you also need your power cord. And there's like a belt around his leg. And his, <laughs> his, his pants, yeah. pants, pants go down. Like, oh, I'm sorry. That's the extension cord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, for, also what you need is a, a power source. So he goes to like, the, like, fucking, like a lamp or whatever. And yeah. like, he shocks himself or whatever. Like, remember, folks, safety lasts. When you ain't got no money. <laughs> and he's like, so he gets the box. And he's like, uh, so first thing you need to do is uh, create a hole. Uh, create a hole. He's like, first thing you do, you mark it. He spits on the box. <laughs> marks it with an S. And then you make the hole. He punches the shit out of it. <laughs> Smooth out your rough edges. And his, his pants fall. Yeah. Like, that's the improv. Pick up our pants. <laughs> And then, like, you're going to add a new box, but what for, the first thing we need is a natural adhesive. He starts picking his nose. <laughs> he puts a bug on there. He's like, once that dry, that's going to be crazier than some crazy glue. <laughs> and also, you need to add your bathroom. And then, of course, the famous thing yep. with him, he had the fucking the jar yep. with, like, the fucking pickle and the juice in it. And, like, it looked, pretty much looked like piss in the turd. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was so like. gross, man. But like, it was put, so good. You got to put your facilities in there. <laughs> And say, so join us next week when I show y'all how to make a jacuzzi out of a garbage can. <laughs> that was my. He did a couple other ones. There's another one where he had. Um, he was on the the people's court. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like uh, it was like him and like some uh, Arab dude. It was actually it was Tommy Davidson as an Arab dude. He was like uh, and then um, fucking Jim Carrey was Judge Wapner. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like uh, he kept mispronouncing the Arab dude's name. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Hap Sack Blackbond, <laughs> Mr. Rap Rap Black Blackbond, <laughs> and then apparently what happened was Anton was in the uh, a freezer or whatever, changed his underwear, and then a lot of a lot of people see it, and then he loses a lot of money and shit. Right. And, yeah, and then like uh, and Anton is his own defense, like uh, objection. This, this that is pure conjecture, and then the judge like sustained. He looks at the audience, is like. I'm just as surprised as you. <laughs> and he does the thing from what's that shit? Uh, Injustice for All. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm out of order. You're, You're out, out of order. order. This whole <laughs> damn court is, is out, out of order. order. <laughs> it's so stupid, man. It's, but, but fantastic at the same time. And he had another one where he had a marriage of convenience where he's like married to like some Jamaican chick or whatever just, just, just so she can get a green card. And another one that a lot of people love was when Jim Carrey was like this reporter. Yep. He had to stay the night. With uh, Anton just as like a, for a report, but he couldn't do it because it's just so gross. Yeah, and like <laughs> Anton is like freaking sitting there, like fucking like he's like passing gas, his feet stink, and he just couldn't he just couldn't hack it. And like he was trying to eat the same food as Anton's like old nasty like yeah noodles and shit. And and then like actually you see the bloopers of that show. Uh, there's one point where they actually take the pickle out of the thing and they eat it together <laughs> and they just grossing each other out, man. <laughs> It's so gross. But the character Anton actually translated outside yep. of uh, of Unliving Color. It appeared once on, the character appeared once on uh, SNL when Damon hosted. Yep. And he, apparently he testified during the OJ trial. <laughs> 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 Which is funny. And you can see the character very briefly at the beginning of Mo Money, where he's like, yeah. actually, he actually pretends to use drugs. Yeah, he's pretending uh, to shoot up. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. at the beginning of the moment, he's like a scam, but he's pretty much Anton. So yeah, that was one great character. One Another great character from another Wayans, Arsenio Hall. Oh yeah. <laughs> so at that time, Keenan and Arsenio were actually beefing. Well, as, as we're leaning into it, yeah. there was a lot of people 
that were big in pop culture at the time mm-hmm. who hated the show mm-hmm. because Keenan and well everybody who's involved there was no such thing as a sacred cow they mocked everyone in fact Spike Lee hated the show yes, not because it wasn't funny but because they hammered the hell out of do the right thing yeah exactly. which was I mean that was his calling card yeah Spike's joint yeah, 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 yeah we don't do that skit or whatever but like yeah but uh was particularly with Keenan and Arsenio because they were actually they were friends but they had a bit of a falling out because Keenan felt that Arsenio was kind of edging him out, yep. edging everybody out to be Eddie's best friend. You know what right. I'm saying? Try to get you know, get in with Eddie, like, hey, Eddie, give me some opportunities and all this shit. And Keenan didn't appreciate that. So he went in, Arsenio, and he did the whole thing with the square head yep. and the teeth. And uh, the, one, the, the two uh, aspects that I really liked was the, t- the tight suits, number one, and also the prosthetic finger, the one long <laughs> finger. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, it was ridiculous. One long finger that's longer than the other ones, and he had like a big ass prosthetic, big prosthetic ass, literally. <laughs> <laughs> and he would just be like, ah, doing all the Arsenio Hall mannerisms. Yeah. Ah, yes, yes. The first one, the first kid they did was actually pretty much a full on parody of the Arsenio Hall show. Keenan comes out, he does a little monologue and shit. He's like doing all the crazy, you know, like mannerisms of Arsenio. And then the guest was Marion Barry, David Allen Greer. <laughs> and, but he like he was making fun of Arsenio's like uh, interviewing style because it's like a uh, so uh, you're in front of the grand jury, you having people follow you all around the country. What's it like to be a sex symbol? <laughs> And then Rand's like, I don't consider myself a sex symbol. I do consider myself a person who's been wrongly accused of a crime. And I'm here tonight to clear my name. Now, all allegations against me are false. And there's been no wrongdoing on my part. Now, while he's saying this, Arsenio falls asleep. <laughs> of course. He's like, hey, wake up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Now, uh, like, uh, I understand you wrote a book. Uh, no, I didn't write a book. I was booked. <laughs> um, for possession of an illegal substance, in it. but I'm about the business of government. Can we talk about my re-election campaign already? Oh, Eddie's here. That's another thing that we do, like <laughs> the, Ed, the Eddie thing. Like, yeah. no, I said already, not Eddie. Like, oh, well, you know, I thought Eddie was here. You know, you know, Eddie is my best friend. <laughs> you always do that shit. And that's like uh, to all the white folks like, who don't know Eddie Murphy's only the biggest movie star in the world. <laughs> and then like, uh, was that where are you gonna be appearing next? Well, next Friday I'm gonna be appearing for the grand jury, and just like he just starts wilding out, like oh, there's a big laugh and <laughs> yeah. shit that starts flipping around and shit. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, no, uh, nothing really. I just like to do that after every third question. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I understand you had you brought a clip with us. And he's like, oh wait a minute, uh, you you weren't supposed to uh, bring that up. He said, oh brother, no disrespect to Morgan Freeman or Denzel Washington, but brother, I hear you are smoking. <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 don't sorry. Like, Sandy, Sandy, do we have a clip? Uh, yes, we do, Arsenio. Kick it. And it shows, you know, the, fa- the recreation of the famous Marion Barry getting arrested yeah. for smoking crack. Smoking crack, and, yeah. Uh, and then they show it or whatever. <laughs> and he's like crying, like, oh, yes, yes, riveting, riveting. <laughs> and Marion's like just crying, like, oh my God, you ruined me, you ruined my career. And uh, his sitting is like, strive to be the best you can be. <laughs> now, take us home, like, to the bay, like, take us home with some of that nasty, booking old funk. <laughs> so that was the first one. Then I did another one where he's like in a courtroom. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah. But they called it the Arsenio Hall of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> and like and then like uh he had the thing where he would like point at the crowd, these are the people that, you know, whatever he had like a joke or whatever. And the, he did the uh juries like, these are the people that are too stupid to get out of jury duty. Give it up for them. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jim Carrey played this like ki- this like uh killer who like killed people with like a fucking like a uh, like a bat or some shit like that. Yeah. Like a heavy, a heavy blunt instrument or whatever. 
And same thing, Arsenio was just like, you know, <laughs> like, what's it like to be a sex symbol? I'm like, that kind of yeah. shit on her. And like, I, like, dude, like, freaking like, well, I was, uh, like, tell me about yourself. Like, well, I was in foster home for most of my life, you know what I'm saying? I was abused as a child. And, and <laughs> Arsenio just laughing his ass. I'm like, my dad used me as an ashtray. <gasps> oh, he's just laughing and shit. <laughs> and then, like, um, the fact that the trial goes around, and then at one point, like he said, like uh, we have a very special special guest uh, witness here, Mr. Andy Murphy, <laughs> <laughs> and like, everybody's like, Woo-hoo-hoo. even the killer's like, 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 and then the, the lawyer was actually, I think it's Takia Crystal Kima. She played the lawyer, the, uh, the judge, excuse me. Yeah. She like, uh, it's like, what does it have to do with this case? No, nothing really. It's just that it sweeps is coming up, and it'd be nice to have Eddie in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually hits on the judge like, now nah, me and Eddie. We've known each other for a long time, and we made a pact when we first got famous. We never let a woman come between us and let the judge, but you are one fine mamma jamma. I tell you right now, <laughs> girl, I pour hot sauce all over you and work you like a real. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Then, of course, the trial goes on. He has no, he's presented no evidence that the guy's a killer, so they have no choice but to you know, let, let him go, go free. Yeah. And he's like, uh, he go, he leaves or whatever. And, like, and then, actually, Ellen Cleghorn is in that shit from SNL. Really? I don't yeah. remember that. She's an extra in the shit. She's like, oh, okay. uh, yeah, she, uh, as he's leaving, Jim Carrey's character is leaving, she's like, hey, hey, you just let loose the second most wanted man in America. And, it, and our scene is like, strive to be number one, Rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and then they ended with, like, you know, the Arsenio Hall shit or whatever. Yeah. And there's another Arsenio Hall skit, specifically with Eddie Murphy. I'm going to get to that a little bit later. But uh, it's, it's a special one on all yeah, the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another one that came up is uh, Ace and the Main Man. They actually never gave these characters names, but like during the last season, it was Jamie Foxx and Tommy Davidson. They played these, they would play these bouncers, and they would always be at like different events, or it'd be like concerts and like sporting events or TV show tapings. And they would like never let anybody who's actually supposed to be on the show in. And, yeah. And then like they would let pretty girls in or other <laughs> other shit or whatever. They would never let anybody in. And they actually, in all their skits, they would always have a guest star. Yeah. yeah. And uh, freaking. Funny enough, those characters actually debuted on another skit, which they actually did a parody of Seinfeld, since we brought up Seinfeld. Yeah. It was Jim Carrey doing Jerry Seinfeld. They had uh, the guy, uh, the new guy I told you about, Jay Leggett. He was yep. George. And the girl, Karen Rosenthal, she was Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And apparently, they, they, and at one point, they're like in the hood or whatever. And like uh, Kramer just the girl Kramer comes out of nowhere like why are you down here Kramer well this is where I get my hair products <laughs> <laughs> and then like uh, Jerry being Jerry's like you know dissing the freaking like the the things of the hood what why do they call it this is that the opposite of that <laughs> like, like why do black people shake uh, like shake hands so vigorously hey. They do like yeah. What, what do they call it? Dap? Like he's like doing the dap. Like <laughs> hey, I'm hurting your hand. It's really uncomfortable or whatever. And then like the two kids that he making fun of is the Jamie Foxx and uh, Tommy Davidson character. Now Tommy Davidson's character is like really like sp- sporadic and just really energetic. Like you you you, you, you crazy you crazy you crazy man you crazy man. Like, <laughs> really weird and shit. And then the, the, that skit ends with them beating the shit out of Jerry Seinfeld taking his place doing the stand up thing. Yeah. <laughs> but they get their own skit and like I said they would always be bouncers. And like they were always like breaking a song and like like do fights and shit like that. And they will always meet the guests of the show. Uh, like I said, Johnny Gill did one. The main one that everybody knows because of fact it's been on YouTube for years is the Tupac Shakur one. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, definitely the biggest. Cause I mean, at the time, I mean, yeah, I don't Tupac think you could find anyone bigger than Tupac. Tupac. Tupac was that dude, man. And freaking like Salt and Pepper did one. And actually, uh, it's too bad that I couldn't get Millie Vanilli. 
they, 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 they do do a Millie Vanilli spin-off. <laughs> <Well, like, laughs> if you don't know Millie Vanilli, yeah. <laughs> we'll Google them, kids. Come back to us <laughs> after you've watched some Millie Vanilli. I remember they did one where it was like a girl like held up a sperm bag and she's like oh, looking for like celebrity sperm. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, we got Millie Vanilli. That, shit, that could be anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Uh, but going back to the actual thing, like, yeah, like, you'll always be like, uh, they will always get into a conversation with the host, and then the, some, like, executive will come and be like, hey, uh, whoever, is this, these guys give me a problem? And then the Tom Davidson character will realize, oh, that's the real person. He'll be like, he would switch sides. Like, oh, yeah, it's him. <laughs> He's the problem. It'll be Jamie's character, like, and they would just, like, uh, Get out of the way, and they would insult him. And then, like Tommy, would like be like, "Yeah, you bet. You, you, you should know better. You should know better." He would try to go in with yeah. him, and then he would kick his ass out too. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest one to me was when they uh, there was like it's some sporting event, and the San Diego Chicken shows up, and they just kick his ass. <laughs> Like he's, like he's like, hey guys, I'm the San Diego chick. Shut the fuck up! And just start beating his ass. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh man! All right, so that was a great skit. Um, oh yeah, this is a favorite of mine. Mister and Mrs. Brooks. Yep. Kim and David Allen Greer as a uh, this elderly couple who's supposedly like a loving and you know what I'm saying they you always see them like with their kids or whatever like hey uh. Yeah, well, the, like I can't believe you guys have been together for all these years. Yeah, well, the the boat got rough, but the ship been sank. And all <laughs> and after all these years, we still together. And then when the kids would leave, they would just go at each other, like like uh, just insult each other. Like, look at Miss Brooks, looking at your dried up husk of a body. <laughs> <laughs> got me in my thirsty. Uh, could you mind giving me over there? Uh, give me some uh, juice over there. I sure will, Mister Brooks. I mean. Like between your uh, <laughs> like, uh, between your flash your flash lens and your bad heart, I don't know if I'm sleeping with a man or a Mount Pinatubo. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the funniest part about the skit is they would have like Indiana Jones style death traps throughout the entire house, <laughs> yeah. trying to kill, kill each, each other. other. <laughs> they will, one will open the door, and be like fucking bamboo shoots, and then like one will open a cabinet, be like an axe comes down, like just about yeah. to take their head off. And then, like, uh, I think at one it was, point... It was borderline Tom and Jerry. Exactly. And then at one point, like, uh, I think the husband was, like, looking in a punch bowl, like, hey, I think there's something in the punch bowl. And then the wife just pulls him down, tries to drown him in the punch <laughs> yeah. bowl. And then finally they had, like, a big confrontation where like, they bring out weapons and they try to kill each other <laughs> straight up for real. And then, and then I think at one point they had like samurai knives. So like, and the woman was like, "Well, prepare to enter the dragon." He said, "The only thing dragon right here is them sagging breasts of yours." <laughs> and then they go at it, and then of course they old, so they have a point where they, they have like some sort of episode, like either be arthritis or like a heart high blood pressure or heart attack. And what would happen is they would uh, end up in a compromised position, and it would look like to who, and then like whoever the kids were would come back. And they would catch them in this compromised position. It would look like they were about to have sex Next or having sex. And they're like, oh, my God, you frisky devils. And then they would end it with, and we still together. <laughs> that was the end. That was that catchphrase in that skit. Uh, Which lo- was a great one. Yes, it was. And it's I, universal as hell. Yes, it is. We still together. Yeah, I know a lot of couples like that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of couples that are not really that old, but they just, yeah, it's getting to that point now. Well, it's, it's almost like uh, there was that Dane Cook bit. About how he loves to see a couple together that hates each other, because he can watch them just about murder each other over something as simple as the jelly. Oh, the jelly shit! <laughs> yeah. That's the only, that's the one dang good thing I do love is the jelly thing. The one, the one that just as a quick aside, since mm-hmm. I brought him up anyway, mm-hmm. the one my family loves the most mm-hmm. is the one talking about an accident mm-hmm. and everyone comes out of the house. 
Because my, my dad worked in law enforcement pretty mm-hmm. much his whole life. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what the cops are doing. You always have that person who shows up and they come outside. They're like, oh, I, I, I was I was in my, my kitchen cleaning a dish yeah. and I heard it. Sure. So I came out. If that'll help at all in your investigation, I'd be willing to go to court. Yeah. I'll bring the dish as Exhibit A, so, yeah, and I'll testify dish. that I heard it, yeah, yeah, and I came out. Yeah. And then the whole thing with the jelly thing, like, I swear, do we have jelly at the house now? I don't give a fuck about the fucking jelly. <laughs> and then, like, and then they get to the house, like, they talk to each other, like, I told you there's jelly at the house. Like, I didn't care about the jelly. And then, like, they're still not talking. And after a while, they're like, uh, the, the, the woman will try to break up, and she's like, um... You got some laundry that you want me to do or something? Well, no. The other part that he said yeah. was he like he liked to come by and give him just the just the one word that's going to make the fight go to the next level. Yeah. And he said like, "Hey, bro. Hey, I totally understand what you're saying about the jelly, bro. Tell this twat to get jelly." He goes, "Oh yeah, what was that word? Twat." <laughs> he yeah, said yeah, yeah, later yeah. on he'd be at home. Yeah. And then she'd be like, "Twat." Yeah. No, no. She'll she'll be sitting there. She'll be cleaning a dish or something yeah. all by herself. And all of a sudden, she'll, I just want you to know, I. I'm not a twat. Yeah, 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 that shit. <laughs> he said he knows. He's just fucked their life yeah. for at least the next month. Exactly. So another great character was uh, Benita Betrayal. Yeah. By Kim Wayans. And she was basically this neighborhood woman who would break the fourth wall, and she would talk directly to the viewer. Yep. And she would basically be gossiping on the entire neighborhood. She would, like, do, like, the little thing where she would, like, see the person, like, hey, there's uh, such and such Lester. And she would talk to him real nice, like, Lester! Lester, what you nervous about? You already said I do. <laughs> and then she look at the camera like, I'll be nervous too if I'm waiting for the results from the free clinic. <laughs> but then she's like, but I ain't want to gossip, so you ain't heard that from me. Of course. Yeah. And apparently they based that on a family member. Uh, they basically have been kind of uh, round, round away about it, but they bas- it's basically implied that it's based on their mother. <laughs> That she would be gossiping, and then that's uh, got to make her yeah. so happy. Yeah, she actually knows. She knows, and it's like she they, they it's like yo, like she knows it's about her, and she's like you cannot convince her that she's not a star. As a result, well, hey, she's making a lot of money. Yes. Well, her kids are anyway. Off exactly. That. So freaking like so she would do that, and then like uh, she would do like little sides. Like she would have like there's one where she had like a, a fur shawl, whatever. You like yeah. this little shawl? Yeah, yeah. It used to be full length. Long, beautiful, I look like a queen, baby. Then one day I was cooking some pig feet, the thing caught on fire. That's all that left. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great character. And then, like I said, she, the, the one that would always get me was Miss Jenkins. Oh, she would God. always like say the worst one. She's like, yeah, I love me some Miss Jenkins. Don't nobody better say nothing bad about Miss Jenkins. That's when I lose it. That's when I go off. And then she'd be like, yeah, just go, don't go over the house, though. <laughs> How so dusty roaches ride around on dune buggies <laughs> But I ain't want to gossip So you heard that from me I love that character Another, another, Some other great characters from the Wayans Tom and Tom The oh, Brothers hey. Brothers Tom, Tom and Tom. Tom The Brothers Brothers <laughs> Basically it's a parody of the old TV show The Smothers Brothers For those of you who don't know yeah. Look them up if you Google, Google The Smothers Brothers If you don't get a chance But they Look, would, If you don't know The Smothers Brothers <laughs> it, 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 We're going to go off a lot of comedy Especially sketch comedy stuff Because th- this has been something that Basically originated out of vaudeville Yes If you don't know them You need to sit down You need to watch uh, You need to watch a little bit of uh, Gotta watch Caesar because mm-hmm. I mean that's just killer, and then of course like until in my opinion, uh, Clayton Bigsby, yeah, the best American sketch ever written until mm-hmm. that until Clayton Bigsby showed up. Mm-hmm. Who's on first? 
Oh yeah, the yeah, Abbott Costello day shit. If you yeah. can't, if you haven't watched Abbott Costello, if you don't know that, you got to start at the beginning because you can't appreciate where you're at without knowing where you've and been. And Living Color does a Who was on first? Oh, too. it's yeah, killer. Yeah, with uh, Louis Farrakhan and Al Sharpton. <laughs> who was on first? No, Jews on first. Jews on first. The man's at second. Mr. Charlie's shortstop, and it's a conspiracy at third. <laughs> Great skin, man. It's killer. Yeah. All right. So, like going back to the brothers, brothers. It's, so it's two black guys, both named Tom Brothers. <laughs> And uh, basically, they had this variety show. They would they where they do like corny songs and shit, talking about like you know, black life or whatever from their point of view. And they're basically just sellouts, totally yeah, total sellouts. And then like freaking like uh, <laughs> it, it had these weird ass songs. Where like I think I think one that I really liked was they were talking about like a uh, uh, Bill Cosby's a doctor with a lawyer for a wife, which black folks all know is the average life. A six-bedroom house and a really cute pup. His kids don't do drugs and they don't get knocked up. So it's hidey ho as I pick out my fro with a hey you jive turkey and a what do you say bro? <laughs> We're doing this stuff till our ratings get low. We're brothers who are brothers and we have our own show. And then they would do like weird jokes between the songs and like, hey Tom, yes Tom, what's black and white all over? Us. <laughs> it was a little, hey Tom, yes Tom, uh, why are we both named Tom? Easy, we're named after our uncle. <laughs> So great stuff, man! Like freaking, like, and then Wait, pause. Not, yeah, yeah, pause yeah. for a second yeah, so people yeah. can do the math. Yeah, their uncle, hey, Uncle Tom. Yeah, it's the, that's basically what the whole gist of the skit is. They're, they're Uncle Tom's, folks. For those of you who don't know, uh, insinuated a black go, man. Go read Uncle Tom's cabin. For God's sake, insinuating that a, you better know. Insinuating that a black man is Uncle Tom is a very bad thing. Trust me. But uh, what they would do is like freaking like uh, what was another one? Not not who's there. Spike. Spike who? Hope it's not Spike Lee, that little troublemaker. <laughs> What's his problem? <laughs> but they had different skits where they would, like, you know, do that kind of stuff. They actually had their own show, Black Like You, where they would have, like, black guests come on who are angry at the man, and they would completely not understand it at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then there's one where it's, like, there's a, they talk about police brutality, like, freaking, like, if you're in trouble, if you're in trouble, you call now and we <laughs> like the cops are your friends, the other ones, whatever. Like uh, if they give, if they happen to cuff you and give you a smack, it's because you're guilty, not because you're black. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up. But yeah, I, I think the last one they did was uh, Tom and Tom applied for like a white country club, and the the white country club people I think they're like bullshitting them like because oh, of how t- much of a Tom they are, but they realize this is really who they really who they really are, and it's like. Hey, we can get these guys to uh, join the club. We can get this discrimination suit off of us. And they realize, yeah, Tom and Tom is the blessing that they're <laughs> they working for. See, and, and this again, you have to sit down and go, mm-hmm. the censors were nervous? Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> I don't think you could do half this shit today <laughs> unless yeah. you have your own YouTube channel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they did a bunch of different uh, Tom oh, and Tom YouTube skits. will probably yank you. Exactly. <laughs> uh, another great character, uh, the background guy. Oh, yeah. They never gave this character a name, but basically the gist of the skit is Jim Carrey, uh, they always do some like weird thing with like some sort of total report. Hey, hey, this is Fox News reporting from whatever, whatever. And it would be two characters in the foreground talking about whatever the issue is. Jim Carrey would be in the background. He'd be just like a tourist or some sort of spectator. Turns around, notices the camera. Starts mugging up a storm for and, the camera, and then just starts doing really weird shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is like his specialty anyway. Yeah, I, I, one I liked was a uh, the one with the skits that I do remember was uh, he was at the beach, 
And like he was like uh, st- He stole some balloons Put them in his chest And then pretend he had Like really big breasts And start dancing <laughs> But then some like Muscular dudes Start coming by And they grab him <laughs> And then you, he, they, they take him off screen You hear a balloon pop He comes back in He has one balloon left And he's been pantsed <laughs> Put, He puts his shit back on He takes the one balloon Puts it like on his shoulder And he just like Starts humping around Like, like he's a humpback Yeah yeah And then he sees a hot chick Fall by Pops the balloon Goes after her a minute later, you see the hot girl and Jim Carrey like doing jet skiing together. <laughs> and this, I remember the skit ends with the yellow submarine from the Beatles. Yeah. And Jim Carrey comes out dressed like John Lennon. There's like a little Asian chick dressed like Yoko Ono. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do like peace symbols and shit. It's so weird. And another one was uh, the, they did one at the Super Bowl. Where he's like, uh, you know, he's a fan. He's got like fucking the, the, the uh, foam fingers. He's like, yeah. he's got wings and all this other shit. He's like uh, sliding right in the back. He's got like a fucking, like, he got like one of those like uh, golf carts. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think another gag I remember was that he, they did one at the White House where he's like pulling a rope or something. Jim Carrey comes into the screen from the, from the side, pulling the rope. He goes to the other side. You see the rope still being pulled throughout the scene. And then finally, the thing is pulled in. It's Jim Carrey dressed as fucking George Washington crossing the Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one that the one that was like a uh, in the woods or some shit like that. They're talking about like alien abductions. And Jim Carrey has like a little fucking keyboard. He does the shit from Close Encounters. Yeah. Like the doo, 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 doo. And then the fucking alien. Doo, 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 doo. And he gets abducted. <laughs> that was a great skit, man. But that's just a great exercise of just improv right there, man. Oh, 100%. And mm-hmm. again, with the physicality of him as a comedian, because he doesn't have a line. No, he does not. Not a single line, but he steals it. Yes, he does, man. Oh, yeah. Calhoun Tubbs. Oh God, David Allen Grizz, <laughs> old blues man in Calhoun Tubbs, killer. Who was actually based on a real person? Uh, a, apparently, there was a dude in Ann Arbor, Michigan, named Shaky Jake Woods. That apparently uh, David Allen Grizz was a fan of and was familiar with doing his like when he went to the University of Michigan. Uh, Shaky Jake was like a regular character out there, and he was based the character on Shaky Jake Woods. Apparently, I think he's passed away. But uh, his thing was he'd be this blues man sitting in like different places or whatever, like strumming his little guitar, talking tuck tuck talk either talking to the audience or like he'd be like uh asked to be a musical guest or some shit like that or whatever. But okay. most of the songs he would do would be like really offensive songs and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh his little gimmick was he would sit there and like, hey, um uh like hey, talk about a sub- particular subject like wrote a song about it. Like, here, here go. He, he'd always do the same little, little riff. Talk about whatever. And apparently that he like did several gimmicks. The first skit kind of explains his gimmick. Like he, I did several gimmicks throughout my career. Electric career. Yeah, I've been doing 75 years. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, uh, I never really made it to the next level. But you guys think about, you know what I'm saying, those little victories. So, I've been a success at being a failure. Over 75 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, see what I'm doing right now? That's my new gimmick. You know what I'm saying? I was a uh, peg leg Calhoun, but my feet uh, swelled up something bad for me sitting on my kneecaps all day. <laughs> <laughs> so the, song, the thing I'm doing right now, see, that's my new gimmick. And the last year, I've written over 12,000 new songs, and none of them is over 13 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and like there were ones where he'd be like uh, asked to sing at a funeral or whatever. Like one, yeah, it was a funeral, and he was like singing for his buddy who had died, Fatback. And you see Fatback's <laughs> oh family God, there. Yeah, Fatback, <laughs> a good old buddy, Fatback. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about the family and shit. Like, one thing he loves is his beautiful wife. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and yeah, yeah. He's always talked about her. Well, song about it. Like, here, here, go. Fat back wife wasn't nothing but a stank tramp. <laughs> she gave him a bastard child. <laughs> yeah. It was just but the yeah, worst. One thing he loved, he was like, hey, fat back loves some catfish. Huh? I say, fat back loves him some catfish. <laughs> and one thing he loved was that little baby girl child. His little, yeah, his little girl child. Or whatever. Yeah, she, she loved that girl. In fact, she cooked fish for him the day he died. Well, somebody like the he go. <laughs> I can't say it. Do it, do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to laugh. Fat Look, back daughter so stupid. That stupid girl fed him the bone. <laughs> they all crying and shit. One thing I know though, fat man loved his family. <laughs> It's like you, you make sure that they are taken care of. Like fucking, like uh, like uh, they gonna be just fine. Like uh, and he's like wrote a song about that. Nah, what? And then, but sometimes he'd be like, you know, I didn't write a song about that, but I think could right now. Like here, here go. Fat bat didn't have no insurance. They about to lose the house and car. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of one of the easily the top ten characters yeah. come out of the show. And then there's one where he was asked to sing it at like a uh, 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 some sort of political rally with Jim Carrey who was like a politician running for uh, office or whatever. He's like uh, this politician's like, yeah, this man right here. Yeah, he he never uh, all them allegations about him sleeping around with women. I tell you right now, that man would not touch no other woman. Well, somebody said hear about him. Here you go, man. Politicians don't like to touch no women. He prefers men in leather. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Carrey's like, they were all consenting adults. <laughs> And then, like, he was singing for some prisons. Like, I don't remember the muscle song, but I remember the ending one. It's like, why are y'all in cages? I'm spanking and spanking your wives and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and then the great one was uh, Jim Carrey played this, like, uh, uh, rock musician. I think he, tried to, he was trying to sound like Axl Rose or somebody yeah. like that. He was like, uh, he was like trying to buy some blues from from Calhoun or whatever. Like, and Calhoun's not like the squarest blues dude, really. He's like, uh, like, oh, I bet you came from like some uh, back shack in the south. No, actually, I'm from Baltimore. <laughs> and he like gave him some money. He's like, oh uh, yeah, uh, like I said, I'm from Baltimore, uh, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, uh, I bet you did like drugs, and you did, like, and you, you shoot up and you puke it raw right out. Like, nah, man. Like, uh, I never did no drugs. Nah, man. I think the only drug I ever did was a buffering. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, give him some more money. Like, oh yeah, man. I did all kinds of drugs. I'm high right now. <laughs> oh, song about it right now. He's here like, you go. Yeah, here you go. I did so much drugs in the six days. I can still get high off the residue. <laughs> Such a great character, man. And then the Jim Carrey shit does this shit or whatever. I like, hey man, like who's like, um, hey, you get the blues. Of course you got the blues. Why? I got money. I got a beautiful girlfriend. Oh, you talking about that girl I saw you with? Oh no, man, that girl don't love you, man. Don't you love you at all? You wrote a song about it. Baby, here, here you go. Man, that girl don't love you. I guess that 30 minutes, uh, the girl sure does love you. I guess that 30 minutes she spent in the bathroom with Axel Rose is the way she liked to show it. <laughs> He's like, I can't believe it. That bitch. 
bitch. <laughs> Need to get yeah. somebody else. So. Great. No, it's honestly, like I said, easily a top ten character for the show. Yeah, another Fatback's still my favorite. Though. Yeah, Fatback was a great one. Um, <laughs> another great character, Candy Cane. Uh, this was one of the later characters during like the fifth season. It was yeah. Allie Wentworth, and she played like this children's host, Candy Cane, who was like you know all kinds of fucked up, <laughs> and she would have these uh, relationship problems. She would air them out. On this children's show, <laughs> and uh, like, I mean, one she was like doing like workouts and like uh, like we gotta do a workout today. And here are my partners: anorexic rabbit and bulimic beaver. Let's do some exercises, okay? Bend and stretch and reach for the stars. I'm wasting my life in singles bars again. You're still <laughs> gaining weight, but what can you do? She goes on this little tirade. Away. <laughs> and another recurring thing is Jimmy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jamie Fox would uh, come in as different characters. Where one of them was Farmer Smiley. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, Candy. Hey, it's Farmer Smiley. Hey, hey there, Candy. Look at that now. <laughs> And like, so what's the letter for the day? Well, the letter for the day, Candy, is C. Look at them. <laughs> he was like a little, little thing of the. He's like, can you say some words to start with C? Yeah. Uh, candy, uh, creep. Like, you know, the alternate. Like, candy, creep, cow, uh, cruel, <laughs> cookie, commitment. <laughs> like, can you put all those words together? I can. Farmer Smiley is a cruel creep that can't commit to candy can because he'd rather be with his wife who's a cow. <laughs> now, Farmer Smiley, can you think of some other words to start with C? He looks at it he's like, yeah, I can think of a word that starts with C. <laughs> and another character would be, uh, he's like some kind of clock character or whatever. He's like, uh, uh, like, could you give us a little rhyme whatever? Hickory dickory dot. The mouse ran at the clock. The clock, the clock struck eight. He said your period was late. The next day, he moved to the next state. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, hard, though, when you start playing with the nursery rhymes because Andrew Dice Clay had that on lockdown. Yeah. And then they had another character, Jurassic Benny, was basically Barney. <laughs> and he was like, he would come out of that in that Barney suit like, oh, I love kids. Kids love me. And then, like, but she would always be, like, real big on, like, uh, um, dress me. She's like, you know something, Benny? I love you. I love you, too, Candy. Like, no, 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 you're not getting me. I love you. Uh, I understand. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. <laughs> and then she's like, like, but you said so last night. And, and then he would take off the head. He would take off the head. Be a black dude. It'd be Larry Will. It be uh, Mark Wilmore with glasses on. Look, I told you, don't come to call my house. I know. Like, I, call my house. I know you. you I know you don't want to burn my little girl's bunny. And I'm like, also stop stalking my house. Like he's like walking around my house. Like, stalking around my house and they'll pick me out of thinking I don't know it's you. <laughs> And he go put the helmet back on, like, I love kids. Kids love me. <laughs> and then I remember Jamie Foxx was like, fucking man, hey, like, give a hug, man. He's like, I ain't hugging that hoe. <laughs> this is a great character, Candy Cane. Candy Cane, so, I've got the actual name of the show, but it's Candy Cane, yeah. Oh, yeah. Call the Tooth Williams. Jamie yep. Foxx, boxing. <laughs> so Jamie Which he, Fo- he did a lot with boxing in this uh, This. Yes, he a couple did. of seasons he was there. Cause we'll get to Mike Tyson in a minute. But specifically, Carl the Tooth Williams. So he played this like fucked up boxer. He had like a Jerry curl. His face will always be like messed up. His nose will be mashed in. <laughs> and in the, but his prominent thing is he only had one tooth. Yep. Yeah. And he'd be like, uh, I remember the introductory skills like, uh, uh, 
you, you, if you knock out Carl Two Williams, you get a free dinner at some restaurant <laughs> or whatever. And like some reporters that was like, so uh, what do fighters like Larry Holmes, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Mike Tyson all have in common? Uh, they all with my ass. <laughs> and like everybody in their mama could knock him out. That's yeah. that really what the fuck. Here's a glass jaw. Yeah, the glass jaw or whatever. And then like I think I remember it was one where they made fun of the, the fan man thing from the Holyfield fight. Yeah. And like he was like him it was him. Was like, hey man, it's like you know what had how they got rope dope? This is called dope on a rope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, called to and he would always come in there like freaking like uh doing the uh, they they've edited it out of the syndication, but he would always come into like a uh, Snoop Dogg no to ain't nothing but a G thing, the uh the rhythm. Always, he would always do that coming in. <laughs> and his catchphrase: "I'm hollering one Nick seven with my glove in your mouth, fool." <laughs> <laughs> so stupid, man. And actually, ba- the name is based on a real boxer, Carl the Truth Williams. Yeah. So there you go. Cephas and recent Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Wayans and David Allen Grizz, these two awful <laughs> soul singers. And they would say, "Hey, the thing, the gist of." Stevens and Reese's, they were basically like Ashford and Simpson. Yeah. Like old school R&B things like that where they would just like do like all these ridiculous scats and run-ins where like the song would take forever to end. Yeah. Because they would just keep stopping like, wait a minute now, baby. What are, you say you, like, they were like, oh, ain't no mountain high. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You say you actually come around and let mountain come get me. I sure will, honey. All right. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nothing go back to the song. And then the funny thing about it is David Allen Grill would do what I call the gospel holler. <laughs> like oh, what? What right. I was what I was all to do? He's like, <laughs> oh my god, man! You always kill me, man. Cause I know people. Cause I'm from the black church, man. I know people to do that shit, man. Like, oh my god, it's so well, funny. You, you can't do black gospel without it. Oh, I mean, god. that's that's what I grew up singing when I was a kid, man. My favorite one that he did in terms of songs was David Allen Greer doing "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." <laughs> <laughs> In the sky, baby. Is that a star? This for you. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder where you been. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid. Oh, yeah, they also had a play. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, they had a play because it's like ah. it's around the time they had like a lot of them black plays, like, you know, Mama, I want to sing and. Uh, your arms too short to boss with God. Plays like that, and Dream right. Girls, shit like that. So they had to play. <laughs> Don't get on the Lord's bus if you ain't got correct change. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. And they would have songs like "Don't talk, talk to the driver when the bus is in motion. Remain behind the white line." <laughs> And they had a song called uh, Can I Get a Transfer? It was just basically them like with a tambourine, like, Can I get a transfer? <laughs> can I get a transfer? <laughs> like, put your hand up, put your hand up. Like, when, you, when you're done with it, put your hand up. Like, so, what have we, Like, I'm gonna simulate, so, because you folks can't see it, like, uh, I'm doing like a tambourine thing with, like, <laughs> with AJ. Like, every time, like, Can I get a transfer? And two, without a transfer, can't go work. Without a transfer, can't go home. Without a transfer, can't go to school. Without a transfer, <laughs> <laughs> so stupid, man. But I love Stevenson. Another great one was they had a death row, a death row inmate. It was Jim Carrey, and his last request was to hear some soul music, and they bring in Stevenson Reese. 
and he, but they annoy him so much to the point he wants to like kill me now, <laughs> take my life, please. Now. He's like torture. Or yeah, he's like anything's better than this. Put me down. Oh, stop! Fucking <laughs> <Duck and> stop! <laughs> uh, the Dirty Dozens. Oh God. So <laughs> this is one of the last season ones. This is probably one of the great skits of the last season. The Dirty Dozen. might actually be the greatest skit of the last, of the last season. season. Yeah, the, the Dirty Dozen is the one recurring thing. They would have a show called The Dirty Dozens. And for those of you who don't know what the dozens are, it's your mama jokes. Yep. Yeah, your mama this, your mama that, your mama's so stupid, your mama's so ugly. And they would have a game show with your mama jokes. And uh, more often than not, it was usually like Jeopardy style. They would have like different categories yeah. of shit, like in, for different amounts of money. They're like, okay, and then they have uh, this white guy named uh, Stu Dunphy. Is actually an uh, actor named Nick Bakay. Bakay, I believe, is how you pronounce his last name. He's actually the voice of Salem on uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh right, right. Yeah, so he uh, be the host. Like, hey, uh, <laughs> this is a uh, yeah. Welcome to the Dirty Dozens. We're talking trash. Get your cash. And <laughs> you might win some money if your mama smells funny. <laughs> so they had different categories like uh, your mama's so stupid, your mama's so fat, your mama's so ugly, and potluck. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had the different contestants. More often than not, it was usually Jamie Foxx's character named T-Dog Jenkins. He was usually the main one. He was usually mm-hmm. the one that would win all the time. Then they had another character named Scotty J, who's kind of like his nemesis, played by Tommy Davidson. Yep. And they had one character named Anthony Clark, who always get like fucked up categories and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then occasionally, like they would have uh, other people like play this like, ancillary character, like Karen Rosenthal plays like a housewife that doesn't really get the game. And then uh, Tommy Davidson plays like this nerd or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, your mother, uh, uh, your mother's teeth are so yellowish when she expectorates. It resembles the. Uh, by waste of a, a domesticated bovine and like uh, judges and I'm sorry we just don't know what you're saying oh my god the bitch's teeth are so yellow she spits butter <laughs> <laughs> man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the uh white the house white housewife was like, uh, your mother is so nasty. She's really unpleasant to be around. <laughs> Judges, eh, sorry, you gotta get really get with it. Like uh and then she finally gets with it at the very end, very end like uh uh your mother's so fat. Oh yeah. Your mother's yeah, oh yeah, your mama's so nasty. Your mama's so nasty, the punk bitch only changes her stinky, funky draws every ten thousand miles. And, they, and it shocks everybody, like, cause she's like super nice. Yeah, like, Damn, I love that cat. Yeah. yeah, but they would have like certain jokes they would say, like certain ones they would say over and over again. But like, uh, it's like uh, your mama's so fat. Your mama's so fat, she wakes up in sections. Yeah. Or uh, your mama's so greasy, she sweats Crisco. Yeah. Your mama's so greasy. She got uh oh yeah, it's like a it's like one where he did like multiple ones on mama so greasy. Uh, your mama's so greasy. She used bacon as a band aid. Uh, your mama's so greasy. She uh, slid in the home and ended up in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, shit like that. The classics. Yeah, exactly. And then they would have what they have like a showdown at the end of a lot of episodes. One episode was like uh, David Allegretti played this guy named Montez. And the whole point was to insult Montez so much that he would get out of his brand new car. And if he gets out his brand new car to come whoop your ass, you win the car. <laughs> so David, so like, uh, David, like, so uh, it's Jamie Foxx. He's like, just getting on. this like, yeah, your mama saw this. Your mama saw that. Hey, man, your mama like, uh, your mama like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Everybody poker. <laughs> and that, 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 gets that, him. that sets him off and he wins the new car. Another one was uh, where they, they had him go up against... Actually, they had they had him and uh, what's the name, Tommy Davidson insult Mother Teresa, 
And yeah, they, that, they was, tell, <laughs> that was messed up. Boy. Yeah, yeah. And then like, uh, she's like, I don't, I don't get it. What do y'all? What? I have nothing in love in your heart. And, and Jamie Foxx is like, you need a tic tac in your mouth though. <laughs> <laughs> and like, actually, it's Tommy Davis actually actual one now when she, she he gets he get, they they insulted her to the point where she got violent. You know, yeah. Tommy <laughs> Davis. And then the one that was I really liked was the when uh, T Dog went up against the all time Dirty Dozens champion. Ed O'Neill is Al Bundy. Oh so yeah, like, and he, they brought, he's like it's like these giant women like bringing him in in the fucking scimitar and shit. Like he's like he's like yeah. a lazy boy and shit. And like I remember all like a lot of the jokes he said were like freaking like old school jokes like freaking like but it was done Al Bundy style. Yeah. So it's like uh, your mom was so fat I rolled over twice and I'm still on her. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> but the kicker was at the very end because yeah you know, and uh, Jamie Foxx character had no defeat for it so right. it's like your mama is so stupid. She gave your uncle a blowjob because he said it would help with his unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> they, of course, they bleeped out blowjob. Of course, but, yeah. had to. but you can tell very clearly what he said. <laughs> but yeah, those are the dirty dozens. They had like they would do it in different game show formats. So they do like Jeopardy. They would do like a Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Dozens. Yeah, they had the Dozens Pyramid. They had, <laughs> they had family dozens, which is like Family Feud style. <laughs> it was great, man. Which actually might be my favorite iteration. Yeah. Oh yeah. Another one that's kind of like oh, kind of underlooked the dysfunctional home show. Jim Carrey is like this uh, drunk dude named Grandpa Jack McGee. He'd be like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And welcome to the dysfunctional home show. <laughs> <laughs> and he was talking about how fucked up his life is and shit. He would have like a slutty daughter, and yeah. she had an abusive boyfriend who was always played by Jamie Foxx. And his and she had like a he had an alcoholic mother who hated him. Yeah. And every time he would talk about food, it always be just a can of pork and beans. Yeah, pork and beans, <laughs> pork and beans. <laughs> I love the first one. The first one really got me because he was talking to his daughter. Like, uh, she's like, "Dad, you've been drinking again." Of course, I've been drinking. <laughs> There's the only way I can forget the way you broke your mother's heart. <laughs> you know, you're the reason she left me, right? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my fault. You were a hooker in junior high. I mean, I thought all 13 year old girls had a beeper and a mink coat. <laughs> 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 Stupid shit like that, man. And then, like, the, he would always try to kill his mother, and like, or the mother would like, he would like be in a stupor, and he would pretend yeah. she's dead. <laughs> and she would like, get up, I hate you, Jack. You're a loser. <laughs> <laughs> he always try to kill her, man. The dysfunctional was, home show. It was like throw mama from the train, basically. And this one that you love, uh, Reverend Ed Cash and Reverend Carl Pathos. <laughs> oh my god, I was watching that sh- that shit again today. The man. pastors of the First Church of Discount Sin. <laughs> <laughs> And basically, this is like every televangelist ever, really. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then like it'll be uh, Damon uh, Damon Wayans as uh, Ed Cash, Cash Money, y'all, mm-hmm. and of course the killer Jim Carrey as the Reverend Doctor Carl Pathos. <laughs> <laughs> that was our, pretty good. Dude. Our church's spiritual gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> Which which he actually said during the uh, mm-hmm. the Senate hearing the Senate episode hearing, yeah, that, exactly. that was sketch that was one of my favorites exactly yeah and they would have, they would basically they just they were basically just clearly charlatans oh yeah yeah well and and everything was always about money like if you wanted to, if you wanted to receive any kind of forgiveness from sin you had to make a donation in fact they would say the root word of the word forgive is, is give. give. <laughs> He's like, hey, we talk, we're going to talk about ties. We talked about it last week, and we talked about it the week before that, and we're going to keep talking about it till y'all get it right. 
It's not 5%. It's not 6%. It's 10%. Y'all keep me. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Well, my favorite's during the in the uh, the Senate confirmation one mm-hmm. is uh, they're starting to get pressed really, really hard. So Damon Wayans mm-hmm. accepts a, a phone call and says, oh, you're going to have to hold oh, on. Oh, hold on. Oh, 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 this, is, this is a call from the Lord. It's the Lord. And yeah, the thing about the Damon Wayans, he would speak in tongues. Well, yeah, so he starts speaking in tongues to the Lord. He said, hold, hold on, just saying, I am, Lord, I never heard you say words like this before. I ain't never heard you talk like this. Hold, uh, hold on one moment. And then he starts talking in tongues. Yeah. And then like, what's he doing? He said he is speaking in tongues. And speaking in tongues, Jim Carrey goes on and looks at that chick's face. <laughs> yeah, I've been wanting to do that since I came in here. <laughs> Well, and then, yeah. then he's standing up, and he starts to uh, he starts to uh, you know basically list out his sins and all oh his sexual God. indiscretions and everything. Yeah. And they decide to start praying, and while they're praying, he pulls out pictures of the senator with some girl. Yeah, yeah. They start and showing, gentlemen. Oh. I think we I think we've had a miracle here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that shit. But he was like uh, Jim Carrey's like oh, you, you, do, you do things with a woman who does nasty things with all four basic fruit groups. <laughs> and he always bring it to crime like, like Jimmy Swagger. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, I am a spiritual scum. <laughs> I am sinned against you. <laughs> and like we're actually having a discount right now. All sins will start with B. Oh no, that's Bur- in that's in the uh, the, the yeah, first yeah, one yeah, in the church. Yeah. That that's actually yeah, yeah, my yeah, favorite. Yeah, sketch. burglary, bribery, uh, Reverend. What about the big B? I think somebody's been a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, then they have like they have they're taking phone calls. They've got somebody calling in from death row. Mm-hmm. Oh, it seems like you might need our expedited surface. Yeah, uh, that's twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. But the best part of the whole thing yeah, is yeah. they bring down the, uh, oh, the, the the counter from the top, and the counter comes down from the top. They've it's only zero, raised eleven dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's eleven dollars. I just yeah. watched it again today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damon goes, "Well, I, 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 I'm, this is just pathetic, and this is this is horrible." Mm-hmm. And I, I think. This might be a good time for uh, for us to mention that since you uh, cannot seem to hear the call of the Lord, uh, we have saved all the phone numbers from our adultery for giving the special last week. So we're going to make some, some, some calls, calls of our own. And then the number starts moving. <laughs> no, it just starts going crazy. It's into the millions before you know. It's just boom, 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 boom. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> and it always end with Jim Carrey. Doing, oh, actually, I like the, uh, the uh, Damon Wayans first one when he did the... Uh, uh, t- talking to tongues because I was watching like old Robert Tilden shits. Yeah, because because they, they did the, the, do the thing now where it's like, like him farting, but he does this. <laughs> oh yeah, tugs. yeah, yeah. But but you like everyone's like it beat new weekly like how you hava nagila hava hava mama say mama say makusa mama say mama say. Well, no, because he's he's trying. He says, let, let me let me speak to the Lord. He's trying to speak to the Lord, and then that's the, he, that's how you got to talk to him. He starts, but but he starts with the first one. He goes, nope, that's a bad connection. He goes to the next mm-hmm. one. Hava, nope, that's a bad connection. <laughs> then the mama say mama say mama say That's what he finally gets through to the Lord. And I'm back. The Lord says hi. <laughs> but then it'll always end with Jim Carrey doing a damn song in a stupid voice. Well, it was it was always some weird screwed up song that almost sounded like an old church song, but the words were not even close. <laughs> and it was always disgusting and fucked up. And usually about him having sex with someone. the other day? I saw I was walking through the park the other day. day. And the Lord saw me and he ran, ran away. away. He ran away no, 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 from like, me. I tried to sing in praise. He ran away. <laughs> ran away. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> My singing made sweet Jesus run away. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid. 
That was killer, man. He does a, it. He does another skit where he does another skit where he does that same voice, but for actually for Jimmy Swagger. Yeah. It's like a uh, Jimmy Swagger in Heaven or Hell is like an album. It's like two sided <laughs> album. Like the, the heaven side is him singing gospel songs, like singing like Amazing Grace and like right. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The voices told me so. <laughs> and then the other side is him like being, you know. Real sinful. He's singing like two live crew and shit like that. <laughs> oh, me so horny. Me so horny. Me so horny. We love you long time. And then, oh, he's singing like, um, Are you down with OPP? Oh, yeah. Are you down with OPP? Are you down with OPP? Are you down with OPP? I'm an old perverted preacher. Watch me. <laughs> how, how in the hell? That guy gets out of prison, he ends up right back where he was. It's going to be beyond me for the rest of my life. But I'm so glad for that sketch. It is so fucking funny. Fire Marshal Bill Burns. Oh, dude. Fire I love Marshal, that one. Fire Marshal Bill Burns. That's the one that most people love. When they associate the characters of a living color, one of the first characters to come to a lot of people's mind is Fire Marshal Bill. Well, that's one of the ones they actually uh, they took those sketches, they recycled them for all that. Mm-hmm. They had Fire Marshal Bill for the uh, the hot tub one. Oh, yeah, that's true. Which, that's a, that's a great one. Yeah, but basically it would be this scarred up Fire Marshal played by Jim Carrey. <laughs> and he would like, basically come to like some setting. It would be like school or somebody's house and like have like fucking like safety briefs. Talking about like, yeah, it may be safe, maybe I can't do the voice, but like, like all the stuff could be deadly. <laughs> Let me show you something. And like, and he would give like some asinine scenario. That would never happen. Like, it was like, and then I, something would get caught on fire. I got a couple ones. Like, a, one was like an alien crab people invasion. The other one was. Oh a, yeah, that that was when he uh, he burns the school down. When a sex a sex doll is accidentally filled with hydrogen instead of air, and then like <laughs> it, it, it explodes due to static electricity. Yeah. And another one was an outbreak of psychotic elves. <laughs> So stupid. Well, man. and he always had that grotesque face from yeah. the Make a Death Wish Foundation sketch yeah. we talked about earlier. Yeah. Where, I mean, it was just, again, classic over the top physical Jim Carrey. Yeah. And then, like, he always didn't know, everybody remain calm. I am a fire marshal. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, let the school was like, by the way, like, because he had like a, he was like burning some mural. Yeah. And he was burning behind him. Like, everybody remain calm. I'm a fire marshal. By the way, what's behind this uh, wall? The chemistry lab. Uh oh! <laughs> Boom! And it blow up the school. Like it always end with him blowing up whatever place he's at. Yeah. And he would end like the people would be like, "Oh my God, we've lost everything! Like our place is ruined and shit." And he would come back like either disfigured or just like just like burned or whatever. Like, burned and crispy. Yeah, yeah. I I like the one was like, "Uh, hey kids, who wants?" Like it was in school. Like, "Hey kids, who wants marshmallows?" Like, oh, yeah, but we don't have any sticks." <laughs> We don't need sticks. He puts a fucking marshmallow on his, his finger, finger yeah. and he starts running into the fire. Let me show you something. <laughs> like it's really <laughs> fucked up. Fire Marshal Bill Burns. He actually, I love the one we had his wife Ashley, <laughs> <laughs> who it was basically Kelly Caulfield, who did the voice. He did the face just like him, and she all fucked up too. And like, oh, <laughs> well, it's a family thing. Yes, it is apparently. <laughs> but yeah, let me show you something. <laughs> That's the fire marshal bill shit. Oh, Frenchie. Well, and you you know the impetus behind that, yes, right? Yes, I do. All right, so I'm gonna share the story with you guys, and this is directly from uh, Eddie Murphy and Keenan Everyone's, who both have attested to this. So apparently, back in the day, uh, they were hanging at Eddie Murphy's house, and one thing that Eddie's fans would do is they would send him bad copies of his uh, 
Delirious suit from his famous special, Delirious. It'd be like the red leather suit that he yep. had. And one day, Keenan Iruans was in the closet looking through these bad suits and found one that looked like, you know what? I, I should wear this all night. I should wear this. We should go to the club and I should wear this. And Eddie's like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, should, I, I would go to the club and I wear this. He's like, you're not going to do that. Like, Eddie was like, fuck, you're not going to do that shit. Come on, <laughs> you're not going to do that shit. Come on now. Yeah, I'll do it. He's like, Okay, and then like what happens? He start putting on the clothes, and of course, like A and Keenan are very different sizes. Yeah. Eddie's like maybe five eight, Keenan's six four. So he's like, <laughs> and, and I like how Eddie describes. Oh like, yeah, so he's just busting out, uh, busting out the suit and shit. <laughs> and then apparently that he would have like apparently for some reason Eddie had wigs and shit in his house. So he had a uh, James. You say that like it's weird. I mean, shit, man. If you're the world's biggest actor, you should have all kinds of crazy shit. You never know when inspiration is going to strike. That's true. I'll give you that. All right, but anyway, he had like a Rick James like wig in there. Which that's my favorite part about Frenchie. Yeah. Because it shows Rick James was giving back to the comedic community far before we ended up with Chappelle Show. Exactly. So okay, what happened was that he put on the wig, he got on the leather suit, and uh, he actually had a uh, Eddie apparently had a bodyguard named Federov, and he had, what he would do is he had this generic chain with an F on it. He said, like, hey, Federal, give me, give me that chain. So he put the chain on, and he gave the gave little story, like, okay, Eddie, we can go out, and I'm your country cousin. I'm your country cousin, Frenchie, from Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie's just laughing his ass, like, okay, are you really going to do this? Like, yeah, I'm going to do this. So he's like, hey, all right, let's go out. He's like, oh, wait, 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 one thing's missing. So he goes to Eddie's kitchen and gets this giant sausage from Eddie's kitchen, from Eddie's refrigerator, <laughs> and stuffs it in his pants. <laughs> so it looks like he has a giant fucking dick and shit. And like he would he positioned it in such a way that like it would stay in there. And like when he would be going out there dancing, he'd like it looked like he just had the biggest dick ever and shit. <laughs> and when he and they went to a club, he stayed in character the entire night as Frenchie. And he would like doing like stuff like he would go into the club and do like the dance, you know, they do the, the, yeah. the roof. The roof. Yeah. The roof is on here. Like he was doing that shit the roof the roof somebody <laughs> shit out on the roof <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing about it was Rick James actually showed up to whatever <laughs> club they were at and then like uh <laughs> Rick James comes over, sees Eddie, and then he sees uh, Keenan as Frenchie and shit. Like, and he's like, Who, who's this? Like, <laughs> and Eddie's like, oh, this is my cousin Frenchie from Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> and like, and <laughs> Keenan in full character, like, takes Rick James' drink. Like, hey, what's happening, man? Like, takes his drink and shit. And Rick James is like, impressed. I'm like, I like this nigga. <laughs> You, you you hang with us all night. You are hanging with us all night. So, like the kid is telling the story, like he's in a he's in a limo with Rick James and his group, the Mary Jane Girls, right. as Frenchie the entire night. He stayed in character the entire night. Eddie retold the story recently on Fallon, oh on the Jimmy God. Fallon show, and like and Jimmy loves it because yeah, like so like he telling the story like yeah, Frenchie came from that night or whatever, and apparently by the time they got back, the suit was completely destroyed. Oh. <laughs> but that was the inspiration for the character of Frenchie. So he did the same thing. He's like this obnoxious character that would show up. It's just right in Rick's face. He couldn't see it. Yeah, hey, man. And so he had like these, like, but they, they changed the suit. He had like a, a pleather suit with like from, like fringe and shit, <laughs> yellow fringe, lingerie, curls, sunglasses, the gold chain and shit. And he would always end up at different parties and shit. And uh, actually, at one point, he mentions he was in the band with Cephas. He was in, he was in the band for Cephas and Reese. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I, mean, I used to play for season recent. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned that in one skit. I remember that. And he always he always talking about his AMC Gremlin that he drives. 
in that, I'm pretty sure that car was like recalled in that place. Yeah, it was recalled, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so you had that car, and it always had a boot on it. Yeah. And then actually, Carlos Mencius, if we talked about that, Carlos Mencius is actually in the skit. Uh, he's like an extra, like uh, hmm. like then like at some house party, he's like a valet guy. He's like a, hey man, is that your a pinto outside? Hey, no man, I ain't driving no pinto. I drive a gremlin. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and then like uh, they like had like one. I think the first one was like is like a uh, raising funds for like saving the dolphins. Like yeah, we're saving, we're, we're using money to save the dolphins. He's like, oh man, look. I ain't trying to tell you how to spend your money, but it's the Rams that's in trouble. Because <laughs> that was when they're still in L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then the uh, guy was trying to impress him. Like, yeah, I got my uh, Ph.D. from MIT. Oh, well, I got my BLT from Mickey B's. <laughs> I got my hair done by TBC. And I once got VD in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking silly. And it, it, each of the skits would end... With him doing some variation of Super Freak or Party all the time, yeah. But more often it was usually Super Freak. And then like I remember one was like uh, they did the bachelor party thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he shows up at the bachelor party, he, like completely ruins everything, man. Like, like uh, he like uh, it was like they brought in a cake, <laughs> and like it's supposed to be a girl popping out the cake, but it's Frenchie pops out the cake. Man. <laughs> yeah, man, some little girl had had, no, had no little bit of, little bit of drawers on, man. I'm like, hey, girl. Like, go, go. <laughs> hey, girl, like, fuck, you need a little more than that. Send it home, man. Like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, he replaces champagne. Like, we had this uh, bottle of Dom Perignon. We've been saving since college. And he replaced it. He's like, like uh, what happened to the champagne? Oh, man. I, I saw the bottle, man. He had some stuff from 1955. I don't want to hear my friend drinking nothing like that. Pour all that out, man. I got you right here. 1992. Cold duck. <laughs> <laughs> the nasty-ass wine that you yeah. had liquor stores and shit. Yeah, yeah, cold. Yeah, and then he's like, "Hey, uh, we gonna watch this uh, porno table, or whatever." Right? Okay, yeah, I got something better. I got something better. So he puts in the tape, and like they're like watching the tape, and they're like, "Oh yeah, man, that girl's hot, man." Like, yeah, yeah, it's good. Like it gets better. Like and he's like, "Oh, it really does." Like and he's like, "Watch this." And then looking, is like, "What the hell is this?" Disco Godfather. Yeah, man, Disco Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> Rudy Ray Moore, the producer, the writer, <laughs> the choreographer. <laughs> Can't nobody do the robot like Rudy Ray, man. <laughs> he was so stupid. But in the end, he would always end up saving the day because, like, uh, he like the bachelor party one. He sent the girl home to get her friends, mm. and they came back and they had now they had a they had one girl. They got, I got a bunch of girls now. Mm. Yeah, he, and he always his little catchphrase was, "I'm hip, I'm slip, and all the women love my." You feel it in the wrist. <laughs> And they always end with Super Freak, yeah. Uh, funky Finger Productions. Hmm. Like, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of people in Hollywood that are exactly like Funky Finger Productions. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm positive. I've only been here for ten years. I don't think I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, but it's these two fucking charlatans trying to make it in Hollywood, and it's like uh, David Allen Greer and Tommy Davidson, and one of them was like, uh, "I'm Clavel, and I'm Howard Tibbs the third, and we are." Funky Finger Productions. Now, uh, I'm going to give you one of my business cards. You know, I'm fresh out. Howard. And Tommy Davidson. Take, <laughs> take a beat. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> and it would always be like a business card of another business that they write their shit on. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, uh, that's my mama. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, don't mind that for first part. That's my mama's uh, recipe for succotash. Turn around, <laughs> turn around back. That's my sister's number in red crayon. Give her a call anytime and she down with it. <laughs> but if a boyfriend boot your answer, you better hang up the phone. <laughs> And they always try to pitch some bullshit movie or whatever they're doing. They always be like on camcorder, super cheap. Yeah. And the movie ideas that they would have in a bunch of them would be like fucking 
uh, uh, hilarious. Like one was a dirty dancer with wolves. <laughs> like one, it's like all of them are cheap can quarter. Like it's like them. Like one of them's in a Civil War outfit. The other one's like in a wolf costume. They're just dancing in front of like some apartment in like North Hollywood. <laughs> then another one's a. Uh, uh, the Poseidon Adventure, like it's like some some shit like that, but it's like the Poseidon Adventure and Dirty Dancing mixed together. But it's just Tommy Davidson dancing in the fucking uh, bathtub in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the other one? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bunch of them. Like they had different ideas. Oh yeah, my uh, my afro is too short. The boss of God and uh, Teenage Mutant Negro Turtles. <laughs> and they were always trying to get in and try to get it to the Hollywood shit. They uh, they always they always kept saying they had this band called Saturn S A T E R N <laughs> with like fifteen horns. <laughs> had five ten horns, but we got, had the five ten horns, but we got six left. <laughs> it was I'd be some ridiculous shit, man. I I used to love me some fucking figure productions. Yeah, well, it's even better now. You've been playing in this business as long as you have. Exactly. Uh, great moments in Black history. Yeah. Yeah. And Which actually, mm-hmm. you get to see a, re- a revival of that in the um, Chappelle show, but it's great moments in hookup history. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes sense because of the Paul Mooney connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, they would have like David Allen or Tommy Davidson talk about black people's contributions to society. And they always have them like a black person doing some ridiculous pop culture invention. But in just like the most gross way, like the first one, like one of the ones I saw was like the accidental invention of the Jerry curl. Like some dude, work, some dudes working at an auto body shop and accidentally turns a lug nut too 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 tightly and it leaks and all the oil leaks on the shit. Is it was a uh, Jerome Johnson, the inventor of the Jerry curl, <laughs> and uh, was another one like the 1920s was like a uh, Sir Martin Lawrence. Like some some dude named Martin Lawrence, some some dude in the 40s named 20s named Martin Lawrence. Stubs his finger, he gets on the stage and starts cussing up a storm. Everybody's dying laughing. The inventor of the first Def Jam. <laughs> What's the other one? Uh, the first party DJ, a dude named Ho, accidentally scratches a fucking uh, record at a party and he like he tries to fix it like, <laughs> but it gets better. Like and then like you see everybody goes, just, goes crazy. Everybody say Ho, <laughs> the first DJ, <laughs> and the first one was the first black astronaut. And it's like a Neil Armstrong, you know, like the, the original mission that went to the moon, mm-hmm. Apollo 11, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and a black dude named Skip, Skip something. <laughs> Slick Washington or some shit like that. Or, yeah, it was Slick Johnson or something like that? Yeah, something like that. But they left him on the moon because they only had like a, enough fuel to take three people back. So they just left him on the moon. <laughs> And then the dude at, uh, like, uh, the invention of the self-service gas station, just some black dude sitting at a uh, pump, like, just real tired, and one of some white dude comes, hey, could you fill up my gas, whatever? And then, he, like, in a moment of invention, he said, get it your damn self. <laughs> and the invention of the self-service gas station. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is one that I've really been looking forward to. I think it's really, to me, the essential in living color character. Mm-hmm. Homie D. Clown. My absolute favorite. Homie Barnum. D. Clown. Damon Wayans. Homie D. Clown. Did you, did, you've seen the, the birthday sketch, right? Yes. I've when seen he, all of them. When he breaks, mm-hmm. that is one of the best covers and improvisations I've ever seen in my life. And yeah. he manages to pull it off. Yes, he does. Like, you, you, if you've been watching for the first time, you didn't yeah. watch Damon enough to know, yeah. you'd think that's what was supposed to happen. He it cracks, was killer. He cracks a few times a few different ones, but yeah, that was the one that I really liked, too. But uh, basically, the whole get down is he's his ex-con who's on parole, and the only job he can get is this, like a fucking uh, a party clown. <laughs> and he's like degrading all the children that he always encounters and shit. And apparently his real name is Herman Simpson. 
Mm-hmm. And like uh, you hear that in uh, there's like different iterations of the homie skits or whatever. But the invention of the homie character is twofold. Damon Wayans had a character in his stand-up called the Angry Black Comic or whatever. And he would talk about like, uh, hey, man, I stabbed me a white man the other day, man. <laughs> you should have been there. It was hilarious. And then shit like that. <laughs> yeah. but, but he had that homie voice. And as far as the name goes, Paul Mooney. Yep. Uh, Paul Mooney was a writer. The legendary Paul Mooney was a writer on In Living Color. Think about it is a lot of the skits he did didn't actually end up in the show. But Keenan thinks that uh, Paul is best when he's angry. So he will specifically ask the writers to piss uh, fucking uh, Paul off. And then whenever time he would ask somebody to do something, he would like, oh, I can't do that, homie. Oh, homie, don't play that. He just, you know, <laughs> he, he, he always refers to people as homie. He, he, even on Chappelle's show, he's like, yeah. uh, like, uh, hey, uh, Paul, can you come do this? Oh, I can't do it, homie. <laughs> <laughs> but he always called people homie. And then, like, so they took that name, homie, and attributed to the clown, homie. The clown. Well, and then it works for the catchphrase, homie, don't play that. I don't think so. Homie, and don't play that. If there's any argument as to what the best, most well known sketch is from In Living Color, I'll settle it right now. There's only one sketch. That actually had a video game made of it. That's right, Homie the Clown. And that was Homie the Clown. Granted, it was a shitty PC game, yes. and you have to realize, 94, 95, I think, when it came out, mm-hmm. didn't really have a hell of a lot in terms of what you got now for an RPG, but mm-hmm. still fucking awesome. Also, Homie the Clown is also a rarity in uh, in sketch comedy history because, in fact, he's one of the few he's one of the few characters that actually had a skiff uh, had a skit that ended in a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the second season, Homie the Clown is like in some part doing this usual Homie the Clown set and he gets approached by these two white dudes who are looking for a spokesperson for a cereal. And they pay him enough money that he accepts. And he's like on the commercial getting chastised by white children just playing along like, yeah, get some Homie Wheats. Like, <laughs> now filled with marshmallows, marshmallows, chocolate, and other, other nutritious pieces of candy. <laughs> now this homie plays and he's like a star now he's got like money he's got like a nice car wearing suits he's still wearing the makeup but he's still got suits and yeah. shit and then the one little kid like he's like come on homie be your old self diss me again like freaking like and then homie's like you know I'm homie completely sold out man mm-hmm. like and then like as he and then they go to like they always had the one restaurant Shea Whitey yeah like it's in it's in, it's in several. It, it's it's a common thing. Yeah, it's in several like homie skits. Shay Whitey, and freaking like uh, homie goes into like yeah, and then the the kid hits him with the shit. You're not homie the clown. You're homie the man. And it hits him and like and it hits him with a to be continued. Yeah, was, I thought it was a great ending. Dude, it was too. a killer ending. Yeah, man. It's about the only way you could do it. Exactly. Because you got to do it justice. And then at the, the season three premiere, you see the resolution of it. He's in a restaurant. He's uh, he's like adored and shit. And he's like, hey, man, uh, when do I get to meet the man? Like, you got to really sell out to meet the man. <laughs> he's like, well, uh, I denounced Farrakhan. Jesse Jackson did that. Uh, I dated Madonna. Who hasn't? <laughs> did I mention that Rodney King was way out of line? <laughs> And then the door opens like, you did it. You completely sold out. <laughs> and he goes into this office and he meets some white guy who's representing the man. And he's like, finally, the man, Mr. Charlie, Bobo, old fade white devil cracker mother. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> he's like, the only way you can really join the establishment is to kiss the ring of the man. And Holmes like, one second, please. And does like fucking like nunchuck shit with the fucking sock. <laughs> I don't think so. Homie never played that. This is all part of homies playing about the man. <laughs> I love that shit, man. And then uh, my favorite of the homies' kisses is uh, when homie met Sally. 
Yeah, that's pretty. That's yeah. pretty killer. Yeah. So he has his probation officer named Sally. Like I said, this is the first time you actually hear his first real name, Herman Simpson. And like she, she goes in there and like uh, they have a little discussion. They actually go in each other, but then they find like they actually like each other. Like they actually stop and say like. I don't think so simultaneously and they fall in love and you see like a little montage of them going to the carnival <laughs> having sex and all this other shit and then like they're in the park and homie's trying to do his regular shit but like she's stopping him and he's like you know maybe uh, like it's time for you to get a real job like I got a job honey I'm a clown you're not a clown you're a buffoon like so <laughs> like you should get a nice job at that restaurant that you like so much not Shea Whitey. Yes, Shea Whitey. <laughs> so it's like him getting a valley job. Think about it. You in this nice one of those nice little red jackets, opening the door for the man. If you're nice enough, they might ever actually let you in the restaurant. Come on, Herman, give it up. It's time to wake up and join the establishment. And then he wakes up like establishment, huh? I don't think so. <laughs> Homie don't play that. And then he finds the little kids. That's one of my favorite ones when he does Tommy Davidson. Yeah. He's like a fucking some groceries or whatever. He describes their love affair. So I like, uh, which one of y'all kicked me in the butt early? Me, me. You're going to be my assistant. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, Tommy Davidson on the bench. He's like, uh, once upon a time, there were two lonely hearts that came together. He's like, two eggs, just like this. Cracks them right, right on Tommy's head. And then love poured from their hearts, nice and thick, like pour some milk on them. Yeah. And then Homer discovered it was just a trick to whiten him up. He's like, flower. <laughs> and then he felt his heart beat. Over and over and over, hitting him in the head with that sock. The end. Oh man! For anyone who missed it, he is absolutely my my favorite character from uh, from In Living Color. When I was ten years old, I went to school for uh, for uh, Halloween as Mm -hmm. Homie the Clown. And as we talked about before, uh, I I don't know what the hell's wrong with everyone else today. I didn't do blackface. I'm not an idiot. Even at ten. Thank God, bro. But. Fucking homie, the clown was the best. I had the, I had a tube sock with another sock rolled up inside of it. The mm. whole thing, man. Yeah. Homie didn't play that. <laughs> Handyman, dude. <laughs> Close second for me. Handyman. And again, Damon Wayans. God, man. Oh, dude. How they got away with Handyman? I don't know how they got away. Couldn't do it today. Hell no, you couldn't do Handyman today. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that it hasn't come back to to be something to like <laughs> protest against him. No, so <laughs> Handyman, for those of you who don't know, was a superhero character played by YouTube Damon, that shit. Played by Damon <laughs> Wayans, and he is basically a handicapped person, pretty much a uh, gimped up person. He's, he's a physically handicapped person. Superhero. <laughs> and he had a secret identity of uh, Clark Bent. He worked at a he worked at a uh, the Daily Glove, the newspaper, with a Lois Lane character and all that other shit. And he like whenever trouble would arise, he would for the uh, handicapped community. Yeah, exactly. He would go into a closet, come out as handyman, and then when he fly fly away, up up in a way, he would just fall out a window, and then he would be magically be flying. And he would go to whatever the problem is for a handicapped person, beat up, uh, beat him up, and he always say, "Uh oh." Let's get busy <laughs> and whoop whoever's ass and shit. The best, the best one for me is you remember uh, I can't remember who it was, but remember when the the guy's using the handicap stall in the bathroom? Mm-hmm. Got the first one. He beats the shit out of him. Yeah, and then then it comes around full circle because later on mm-hmm. the guy that he beat up is now in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and so he's going into the bathroom to try mm-hmm. to use the bathroom, yeah. but the handicap stall yeah. is occupied, so he goes into a regular person <laughs> and handy masks come back again to kick his ass because you're but, not allowed to use the regular. But actually, one. the handicap community actually came to embrace handyman. It's crazy. freaking hilarious. Yeah, and then like the the kid like is Tommy Davidson in the wheelchair. Like for a long time, the physically disabled have been waiting for a superhero, and you're it. Thank you, handyman. <laughs> and he also his catchphrase was never underestimate the powers of the handicapped. 
I like her do it today. I like you the I like the one today. I like the one where they did the origin of a uh, handicap is Handy Boy. Is like <laughs> his adopted parents were like uh, Jim Carrey and Kelly Caulfield. Yeah, and like and he like he yeah oh, you're adopted son. Wait a minute, you're not my real mommy and daddy. Jim Carrey's like <laughs> not by a long shot. It's <laughs> so fucked up, man. But yeah, great character, Handy Man, and occasionally he would have a sidekick, the Tiny Avenger. He yeah. was a little person. <laughs> and his uh, main nemesis was Dr. Naughty, played by Jim Carrey. <laughs> he, who had, he hated the, the... He always had like a tick, like, I hate the... F- f- physically challenged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the head detective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically what happens is, is Damon Wayans again, <laughs> uh, playing this pretty much uh, potato, Mr. Potato Head Cop. Who was like a cop that got into a bad accident, and he's like, "We can rebuild them. We have the technology. All we need is six million dollars. The department doesn't have that money, uh, fifteen hundred. <laughs> okay, I got. Uh, he takes what money he has on. It's like I got twenty eight forty five. Okay, it's twenty eight forty five. <laughs> All right, we'll do the best we can. It'll be a lot shorter, and a lot slower, but at least he'll be alive. <laughs> and like so, it'd be it'd be Damian Wayans as the head detective, basically just a head with uh, some arms and some feet, like a Mr. Potato Head. And his partner was usually Keenan Ivory Wayans, but in later seasons it was Marlon Wayans. And Keenan's character would be like always he would always refer to Keenan as some like ex athlete. Yeah. Like you remember when you played for the Lakers, you were the best dribbler in the league. Like you're not suggesting one thing, you're suggesting hey, dribble me past him. <laughs> <laughs> Just like come on, I can't do that. Just do it. <laughs> and like, and then he turned head into a fucking basketball and shit. And then another one's like, a, remember when you played for uh, the football? We played in the Super Bowl. Like, we, like you were the best kicker in the league. Like, you're not suggesting one thing. You're just like, <laughs> kick me past him. <laughs> he was so stupid, man. The head detective. Oh yeah, hey man. Yeah, there we go. Another goddamn Damon Lanza. <laughs> Dude, he's. He honestly, like, he, he, he was the Eddie Murphy of the He show. was a G, bro. Damon Wayans was a G, bro. Damon Wayans as the le- the head of a West Indian family called the Headless. And they're always like, <laughs> hey, man. Ding, 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 ding. That would have actually been a great movie. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Hey, Man. <laughs> the, uh, the show about the hardest working West Indian family, the Headless. <laughs> and he always had, like, fucking like, 20 jobs and shit. Yep. Let me tell you something, boy. When I was your age, I was a maintenance man, a carpenter, a cook, a security guard, a hospital orderly, and an Amway salesman all on the same day. <laughs> me almost didn't have time to make you, boy. And, he's like, <laughs> hey, and, and Tom Davis would always play his son, Byron, with Driz and shit. Yeah. He's like, hey, I got four jobs. Hey, boy, hey, four jobs ain't nothing, but I'm also on 10 band. Wait a minute. 10 band and four jobs. That's 14 teens. <laughs> That's bad as a butt, boy. <laughs> Come on, yo, chip off the old coconut butter, all right. <laughs> And well, then, and then they, that's where they'd get away with all the uh, the yeah, Jamaican cursing. Exactly. And then the worst offense of any of the Hilly skits is to say you have one job. Yeah. One job. You might as well you might as well slap them in the face. And you say you just got one job. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, he like uh, like the, the daughter fell in love with like a doctor or whatever. Like freaking like she's like, oh, I got I'm in love with this man. He make a hundred thousand dollar a year. Mama gonna be rich. <laughs> and how many jobs he got to make that kind of money? Only one. He a doctor. One job. <laughs> you hear the boy going. She hear the daughter going out with the boy with one job. And she's like, "You're tired and all this stuff." And like, uh, "Won't you guys take a vacation?" I'm on vacation right now from 14 jobs. <laughs> He's like, "All right, I'm, I'm in love. 
like, it's just like when you and mama first met, remember, I never loved your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I married your mother because she had six jobs. <laughs> so fucking stupid, man. Oh, and it, and it, always, it would always end up, oh, no, hey, man, got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's one where they ran an airport. There's one where they had, like, a courtroom. Another one where they ran a hospital. Like, yeah, they always, and they had all the jobs. And I like the one was like you kept saying like uh, I'm a judge I'm a per, I'm a circuit judge a, per, a per, judge, per judge a good judge of character and I'm also an understudy for Judge Reinhold. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, the judge when they kept mentioning Judge Reinhold all the yeah. time shit. <laughs> so stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, the Homeboy Shopping Network. Mm. That's another one of those early, early ones. For it's what made the pilot. Exactly. The homeboy shopping there were two fucking thugs. They're out here stealing shit and they trying to basically haggle it to the, the masses and shit. Like, if I could, like, hey, what's up? It's your, uh, like, it's your boy. Welcome to the homeboy shopping network. Uh, I'm Wiz, just the Iceman, chilling. <laughs> it's Keenan and Damon and shit. And then they also had like seminars and other shit. The first one was basically just them. Um, peddling shit out of a truck to head. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, hey man, this, these TVs right here, this is great, man. This is on the TVs you might find at the better hotels. Matter of fact, these are the same TVs you'll find at the better, better hotels. hotels. <laughs> and they're like, look, jewelry, jewelry, jewelry. Look at all this stuff, man. You got different pieces. Some of them have been broken in transit, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then you find, they always will find one, like, hey man, check this out. He puts a ring on himself, like, hey man, it looks good, don't it? You can keep it? Yeah. I'm sorry, customers. That was purely a display item. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like the one where they had the satellite. Hey, for you cable boats out there, they had like a giant fucking satellite, and then it was like property of NASA. Yeah. <laughs> Not only would you get all the cable channels out there, but you'll be able to talk directly to the astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one, they had a seminar, uh, uh, how to make more money without using your money. <laughs> like, who got more money than they know what to do with? The good mint. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fucking, and then talking about some way to peddle food stamps and shit like that. And then they had like a, uh, why don't you try the more money valet kit? What you do is go in front of a fancy restaurant, put on this jacket, like a red jacket, <laughs> hang this little sign, and you'd be surprised how many people would just walk up and give you luxury cars. <laughs> some of them will even tip you before handing over the keys. <laughs> <laughs> and they did the Super Bowl one too, where they're like in a stadium, like uh, selling vitamins, steroids. Yeah. And then like giant fucking rings for the steroids and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they had like, uh, hey man, so uh, you want an autograph or whatever? And then they had like actually a, a player in the locker, like, hey, sign this uh, to Laquita. That's uh, L A Quito. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, it had like, actually had a stolen cartoon, like this beautiful model displaying it. Look, look check out the body. Yeah. Check out the headlights. Yeah. Check out that trunk space. Yeah. And the car come with it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was funny. And uh, what's the other shit? Fucking where they are. There's one where actually they were outside uh, Dodger Stadium. Like, just uh, they're, they're selling cars, but they're selling other people's cars. So we're inside watching the game. <laughs> and they actually had one with, like, hey, you got the big family or whatever? They had a bus. Yeah. And it's like, hey, man, maybe you won't personalize it. And they had, like, the thing where it switches the names. Like, yeah. your name here. <laughs> And then, of course, the catchphrase, more money, more money, more money, mm -hmm. which started on SNL, by the way. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's one of those weekend update things. Damon, one of the few things Damon had, hmm. and he did that, that catchphrase on weekend update. Well, yeah. glad they were able to carry it over. Yeah, exactly. More money, more money, more money. But, and then, of course, it became a movie with that catchphrase, more money, which is, had, nothing to, yeah, had nothing to do with the actual 
uh, skit itself, other than the fact that freaking uh, it was just like Damon Wayans in it and shit. Yeah. But it was yeah another great skit. We'll see. Uh, oh yeah, Keenan is Jesse Jackson. <laughs> Which was killer. He did a couple skits as Jesse Jackson. The first one was basically a hypothetical situation where what would happen if Jesse Jackson was actually elected president. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that was around the yeah. time of his first run. Exactly. Like, And he would always rhyme and stuff like that. Uh, like, well, like, basically, it was like, this is his like eighth year as president. And yeah. And he's like, uh, uh, my administration has done much, much legislation, though it took a lot of perspiration. But I think my one uh, act that I'm most proud of would be the Jackson Limitation Act. And that is, of course, the act that bans all performances by Latoya or Tito Jackson. Is <laughs> <laughs> it? And like, uh, people didn't think uh, eight years ago that a poor boy from the Carolinas could go from the outhouse to the White House, <laughs> could go from eating cheap joints to talking to joint chiefs, from eating bread with jalapenos to meet with the Filipinos. Yes, <laughs> hip hop, you don't stop rocking to the bang bang boogie the beat. <laughs> He said, and one promise I have kept in my administration is I promise to keep hope alive. And they're like, could you elaborate on that? Oh, of course I could. Uh, Bob Hope has been frozen solid. <laughs> and our scientists believe we could keep him alive for at least another 100 years. <laughs> so, right, so raise your hands one more time and say, keep hope alive. <laughs> and then here's another one where he had, actually, funny enough, this is a very interesting one. Uh, the second Jesse Jackson thing that he did, because SNL at the same time did another skit where Jesse Jackson hosted and they did a skit where he was talking about Dr. Seuss books. Okay. And so did A Living Color. And the thing about it was Keenan claims that he wrote his first but SNL ran theirs first. So it's like a... Which is very likely. Yeah. So Jesse Jackson is on SNL. He's the host, guest host or whatever and he's reading, he's starting out a monologue reading Dr. Seuss books, you know, hop, hop on, hop on, pop and shit like that. So Keenan does his version where he does ghetto uh, Dr. Seuss books. So it's like hop, uh, the next title's um, Horton Here's a Ho, <laughs> Hop on Cop, uh, The Grinch Who Stole My Stereo, uh, and uh, Green Eggs and the Government Cheese. <laughs> He's like, I, I do not like green eggs and government cheese. I do not like it because it makes me wheeze. <laughs> I do not like green eggs and the government cheese. Because it keeps me from going to the toilet with ease. <laughs> so just, Wait, just as a side, mm-hmm. there's this guy, uh, Tim Conway Jr. Mm-hmm. He's got a game show that he plays on the radio called What the Hell Did Jesse Jackson Say? Mm. And he's got clips of Jesse Jackson. Most of them seem to be a bit new, but I don't know how, I don't know how long ago the last time you listened to him. Yeah. He slurs his words together so bad sometimes. Yeah. They literally have people call in trying to figure out what the fuck is he saying. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Especially when you add the rhyme into it, man. It just, you get lost so yeah. fast. Uh, Loomis Simmons. Oh. That's one of my favorites from David Allen Greer. Mm-hmm. Who plays as like a charlatan, again, on infomercials. Infomercials, of course, in the early 90s, they were really big back then. Yeah. And he does shit where he's probably more honest than most of the people in the, in the uh, infomercials, where he pretty much tells you, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I want your money. And the first <laughs> one is like, Loomis Simmons, make me rich. He's like, uh, let, let me let you know right now, you ain't never going to be rich. You just ain't. But you can contribute to somebody else's success. Mine. <laughs> and, say, and when I got money, I'm happy. Let me show you. And here's two pictures. This is a picture of me with no money. He's like, sad. This is a picture of me with money. He's happy. He said, what you do is you take all your friends' money and then give it to me. It can go a long way. And in styles like a brand new car and shit. <laughs> like, look, I used to be just like you, living day in, day out. Paycheck to paycheck, sitting on my couch like an old wet food stamp. 
And I thought, hold up, Lubus. I can't have other people give me money too. Whatever, something like that. But he like he always has a he listen to my uh, satisfied customers. And it's like uh, one was like Jamie Foxx is like, hey, uh, I had the choice to give um, money to Loomis or give my wife uh, money for expensive like surgery. Now I took a little. It was a hard decision, but I think I made the right one. He has to earn with his wife. <laughs> Ain't that right, baby? <laughs> and then like uh, Kelly Caulfield places like Minnesota lady. She's like, well. Um, <laughs> I decided to give Loomis, my family, I decided to give Loomis money, uh, uh, even though my family advised me against it. So I decided to give Loomis our nest dick. And I'll say to my family, whoever they are, wherever they are, <laughs> see, who's laughing now? Loomis is rich. And you said it couldn't be done. <laughs> see, it's just that simple. And then he was like, if you, order, if you give me some money now, I'll give you this like A-Trek tape set or whatever. <laughs> the first one is, uh, thank you. It's a special thank you message from me to you. Listen. He's like, uh, just him saying thank you in different ways. Thank you. Merci um, beaucoup. Uh, buenas noches. Thank you. Arigate. <laughs> and the second one is Loomis Hums. It's just me humming my favorite tunes. Listen. Like, <laughs> and the last tape, well, they just blank. So if you put them in your stereo and turn up the volume real loud, you'll hear a soothing hiss. Much like that of the ocean. <laughs> And then another one was uh, um, let me harass you. Where like basically what you like to, to ladies out there like hey you want to make some money? What you do is you get your job, get me a job at your place. I harass you. You sue the company, and we'll split the money. It's just that simple. <laughs> and that's one. And then another one is a Loomis Simmons. Uh, let me knock you up. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like freaking like uh, I come through. Like if you having problem with <laughs> with giving children, like I come through, you have freaky sex or whatever. And also you have to respect my no return policy. Once you drop that calf, I ain't coming back. <laughs> 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 and uh, oh yeah, my favorite of the, is the Loomis Simmons custom built condoms. <laughs> and the custom the condoms are custom built to fit Loomis Simmons. He said, "How does that work? He, he, this is how it works." You take your girl out to dinner. You take your girl out dancing. You take your girl to the movies. And at the end of the night, she's starting to feel all freaky. Then you call me. <laughs> Loomis come over. Loomis bring the Loomis Simmons custom-built condom. Loomis have freaky, sucky sex with your woman. Like, well, hell, for an extra $10, you can sip a scotch and cheer me on if that's your thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, here's one of my satisfied customers and shit. And he's like, uh, three guys, like, one guy's like, uh, yeah, uh, I used to have, I used to have problems with condoms because of the fact I didn't feel anything, but now with the Luma Simmons custom built condom, I still don't feel anything, but I don't get hot and sweaty either. <laughs> and then another one's Jim Carrey. He's got, like fucking herpes sores. It's so great. Ever since I got these sores, I, I never trust a condom again. <laughs> but then I heard about Luma Simmons' revolutionary technology. Now I can keep my dignity and please the ladies. <laughs> and then there's one guy with like a leather jacket and a bottle of scotch. He's like, go. <laughs> go. He's like, I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> that was a great character, Luma Simmons. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Men are. It's raining me. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's raining me. Again, one of those ones that made the pilot. <laughs> I'm like, just looking at it, it just makes me laugh. Well, Men Damon Wayne's always had the most ridiculous yeah. hats glued yeah. to his head. So it's two guys. Basically, they were a parody of Siskel and Ebert. It was uh, Blaine Edwards 
and Antoine Merriweather. Yeah. And welcome to Men on Film, the show that tackles whatever the subject is from a male point of view. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the sponsors were always part. Of, they will always have like some gross sponsor. Yeah, you know, like a <laughs> this <laughs> this show is brought to you by Jules, the gum that explodes in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you can't chew just one. And who would want to? <laughs> There's another one. Uh, Mega Shake. The second greatest source of protein, but it tastes like the first. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I can't imagine why the sponsors in 1991 would be scared. Going to the football one. Uh, men on football. Uh, thank you. Uh, this is brought to you by Spalding, the official balls of the NFL. <laughs> I ain't gonna touch it. <laughs> but they had different subject matter, and like the whole gist of that uh, particular skit was finding the uh, uh, homoerotic uh, ele- ele- whatever, element of whatever it. it was they were talking about. Exactly, and actually, what it started out was it was originally uh, Keenan and Damon. Yeah, they would did they did the characters as kids, and they they named them Dickie and Dale Davis, and they would go around the East Village in New York as these characters as teenagers. <laughs> and, I mean, why not? Exactly. And then, uh, remember I told you in one of our other shows that uh, uh, Robert Townsend was part of this like improv group in New York, and Keenan would occasionally come in there. They would do the characters. Him and Damon would do the characters for the improv group. Right. So, yeah, they started that. It started years before I Live in Color, but they had different subject matter. Men on film, men on books, men on television, men on fitness, men on uh, vacation, men on art, men on football, and men on men. <laughs> and what basically what the gist of it was, they would talk about these different subject matters. Now, whenever they had something they didn't like, they'd just say, hated it. <laughs> it's usually something that had uh, involved women. Yeah. Yeah. So, or like uh, small men. Like, yeah. Like, uh, the, book, the book one's like, a, uh, we had this new book called Little Women. Hated it. <laughs> then there's Little Men. Hated it. <laughs> My favorite one in the book one's like, uh, this, this book is called Roughing It. It's a happy tale. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple. It's so fucking stupid, man. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the kicker was at the end, I, I, we have a favorite book. And this book is entitled Moby Dick. <laughs> 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 I ain't going to touch it. <laughs> and then, like, what happened was they would talk about whatever subject, and David Allen Gray would go on these tangents about whatever is going on. He was like, to me, the football one, I would yeah. use the football one as an example. Me... Nothing uh, beats that moment right before the play begins as the muscular, sweaty football men get down on that line of scrimmage. There they is, eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> they breakfast like steam from a bull's nostrils. I only got three words to describe it. Fabulous. I'm too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was dead when I watched that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the football one is like, uh, oh, yeah, one thing I found out, the numbers on the back is only for identification. <laughs> 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 yeah, Dame was like the smallest one I saw was eleven. Then I saw one that said seven, eight. Child, I almost fainted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's, it's, it's so, so simple. Yeah, it's like what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite matchup this season? Or oh, that would be the Oilers and Packers. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were talking about the Redskins and the and the Bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's like Cowboys and Indians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I that and then, then that's when David was like, 
Well, I don't know. For me, I'd just rather yeah. watch yeah. the Packers and the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the what's the red flag in the right pocket mean? Oh, those are the wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> it's always some kind of gay shit with it, man. It always make you make me it's laugh. Ridiculous. Yeah, and then the cooking one it was also a funny one where they had all the cooking shit. They was like phallic shapes, so it was like bananas and cucumbers and shit. And then like it was one where like he was about to kill the cucumber, but like Damon stopped him like no 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 no. He's like, uh, boy, they always have like a buff ass dude as the boy. Like, boy, could you put this in my car, please? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, they always do that shit. And then, like, oh, okay. All right, so uh, <laughs> we just had a little bit of a cue here. Uh, but uh, they're always in this shit with uh, the review, which is uh, two snaps. Yeah, well, and then at one point, it finally morphed into three snaps in a Z formation. Yeah, yeah, yeah it had different variations. This is uh, the yet unheard of Zoro snap in Z formation. <laughs> <laughs> and two snaps up in a circle and around the world and back snap. <laughs> which is yeah. freaking hilarious. Brilliant, brilliant uh, way to set up uh, a, a nice little catchphrase, essentially. Exactly. And the funny part about it is... We're actually looking at our... Um, Just so you know what the cue was, yeah. we're, we're running off a battery, and yeah. uh, we're, we're into the red zone, so we're gonna, unfortunately we're going to have to wrap this up a little sooner than we hoped. Yeah, exactly. So Send us money. We'll get a studio. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think this warrants a part two. This definitely warrants a part two. Yeah, we're I not, would do a part two on this in a heartbeat. We're not done. No, we're not. We're, we're barely barely at the... Ladies and gentlemen, we are... halfway. We, we're announcing our first part two. We are. This is the first part two. We're announcing our first part yep. two. We we intimated we might get to it with the sequels, but this one, this is the first one, it's going to have a part two. God damn it, we ain't done yet. No. That's right. But uh, Next we go, week? Next week. Next episode, we're going to do episode two. So we got a cliffhanger. Our first cliffhanger. Just like Homie the Clown. Just like Homie the Clown. And actually, Menon has one too, but we'll get into <laughs> that next time. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to be doing part two of In Living Color because it's such a great subject matter. And like I said, we're not even done yet. Uh, again, this is Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. I uh, hope you folks have a good night. Can't wait to see you next week. Thanks for listening. Dropping that coach. 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 Dropping that coach.